Blog Talk Radio. Does it have the music? <laughs> oh, Christ. What a way to start. Uh, it should be going. That's very weird. Jesus, what are you doing over there? Commercials, no subscriptions, no network, no rules. And at the end of the day, my friends, no comparison. We're back for the holidays. Did you miss us? Somehow now it's playing on my thing. Telling you, it's a mess over here, folks. Crazy. Crazy. So what happens when you don't podcast for six months? Anyway, yeah, hey, what's up? I'm back. It's been all of America. Back for the holidays, of course. Uh it's crazy, you know, it's funny. Uh, it's kind of annoying. That, 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 like, a lot, I got a lot of people, um, almost from, like, when we last did the last Ruxgiving, who were like, hey, is there going to be another Ruxgiving? And it's like, dude, I just said last night on Ruxgiving 2017 that we'll be back in 2018 for another Ruxgiving. And, like, all year I was getting emails, like, hope there's going to be another Ruxgiving. It's like, if you love Ruxgiving so much... Why do you have to ask if there's going to be another one? Because on the last one, we told you there would be one. That's, that's the question I want you all to think about tonight uh, here on this very special uh, return of Ruck's Giving. Bruce, I'm sorry you had to listen to all that. Welcome back to the show, my brother. <laughs> nice to be here. How are you? I'm doing well. I'm doing well. I had to candy those yams to start the show, though. You know how it is. Oh, yeah, send some of those over here. Oh, indeed. I don't like candy yams, actually. I'm not a big, uh, I don't eat any, with the exception of carrots, I don't eat any orange vegetables. I don't like the sweet potatoes. I don't like yams. Um, yams are orange, right? Yeah. Yep. Boy, are they orange. Yeah. Yeah, I'm very, very fond exactly. of um, sweet potatoes. See, you'd be a great guest for the banal Thanksgiving because you, you wouldn't fight over uh, too many of the vegetables. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> no. Uh, there's a slight delay here when we talk, so I'll just try and uh, – it seems like you come in a little bit late after me, but it's fine. It's, yeah, the, it's the wonder of this ter- – Yeah, this awful blog talk system. Um, but I think we'll I think we'll, we'll survive. I think we'll be all right, and uh, – 
you know, if uh, yeah, we'll be fine. What the hell are we talking about? This is been all of America. Um, now Probably before we the kick NSA off the link. Fa- what'd you say? It's probably the NSA link. Oh, I'm sure. Yeah. Well, they're as excited as everybody else is about Rucks Giving. This is, uh, like I said, people. I, it's really unbelievable. I really uh, like the the emails. I I called somebody out for that like last year, a few months ago, because it was like, dude, if you if you love it so much, well, you should know that we're doing it again. We said that. Anyway, uh, before I, I we sort of kick off the festivities, I wanted to do uh, a little update for people because uh, this is the first show since uh, we wrapped up BOA Audio, um, and it's kind of been th- it's kind of been thrown together a little bit because it's like with Bruce, it, we just you know I just sent him an email like uh, ten days before the show, and he's ready to rock and roll. It's not really much like I don't have to do much. Um, so so even when the show started, like, I, I forgot to set it up so, so it played music. Um, so, yeah, I haven't I haven't had a show. If you don't, I don't really count last week's, uh, a couple weeks ago, the election show uh, as really much of a actual uh, show. It was a good parade, uh, a midterm election. It really, I kind of, I enjoyed it, and I loved having Alfred Lemberg on to, to jam with us. But at the end of the day, it was like, it's hard to really wring much entertainment value out of midterm elections, even though they hyped them up so much. Because, um, like, nobody cares about Congressman Joe from District 5 in in Delaware, you know. It's just, like, there's maybe, like, five things people care about. So, anyway, so, yeah, so this is uh, – we're back for the holidays. Uh, this isn't, like, a full-fledged return of the show. It's more of, like uh, – I call it the banaliday season. So, it's, uh, of course, uh, Rucksgiving tonight. Um, hopefully, I can't guarantee anything. I haven't talked to Stan, and he's retired essentially from like speaking. Although I'm willing to bet like he gets dragged out to some place like twice next year. Um, but he's ostensibly, presumably, retired from speaking. I think I heard him on Coast to Coast uh, like a month or two ago. So I know he's still uh, at least willing to do some interviews. And I mean, come on, how could he pass up the holiday special? So I, like I said, I can't guarantee anything. Uh, regarding that, uh, but I mean, fingers crossed. I'm, I'm hopeful. I'm cautiously optimistic. That's probably the best way to put it. Um, I'm taking care of all this in-house stuff, Bruce. I apologize. I'm taking care of all this stuff first because, like, based on – I don't trust these people to listen to all, all the way to the end, first of all. So <laughs> I'd rather get all this out of the way first so I can make sure I told them all uh, what's been going on since the last time they heard from me. And uh, also because, you know, as is Rucksgiving tradition – I'll probably be imbibing in a few spirits as we get, you know, through the evening. So I want to make sure I get all this out clearly and coherently <laughs> so I don't ramble too much, although I'm rambling that's already. That's the way to do it. Exactly. Um, so that's the deal. And then uh, I teased on Twitter, which is like my new stomping grounds. I hate uh, Facebook, but I also did it on Facebook that, you know, we're going to have some uh, other shows in, in the mix with the, uh, with the Banaliday season. So um, originally I thought maybe eight. Now I'm thinking more like six, maybe five. But they're going to be good shows. Um, yeah, and they're they're kind of like I'm trying to go with sort of like a party vibe. Um, and uh, yeah, you'll get. I think I, I guess I can announce. Yeah, we, we got we got a show in like two weeks. You'll see it on the thing. I think it's December fourth. Uh, yeah. 
December 4th uh, at 10 p.m., we're going to have Josh Cutchin and Red Pill Junkie on for uh, a Paramania Christmas. Um, so that's going to be a special, a first-time-ever special uh, on the 4th. So I'm hoping to pepper the holiday season here with a few uh, extra Banal of America shows in keeping with uh, the holiday vibe that we have here with these uh, annual specials. So somebody already asked me about next year. It's like, Bruce, are you free next November? Because I am, so I think we can probably do it, right? Oh, yeah. <laughs> exactly. Um, and the other thing I wanted to mention um, is, like, people are like, oh, you know, uh, where are you, man? Um, as, as some of you know, a lot of you probably know, uh, you know, I've worked for Coast to Coast AM for, like, a long, long, long time, like 10 years. And uh, in the last four years, uh, four years, it'll be starting my fourth year, I think, uh, after Thanksgiving. Uh, I've been their news editor and uh, writing the articles at the Coast to Coast AM website. Um, and sort of the gig really got kicked into another gear uh, this summer. And I had actually, you know, I, I think that it happened right about when I had sort of like mentally penciled in plans to start planning my next project, really. And then this was like, wow, all right. So the the profile of the job really, uh, really went up. And, um, you know, there's like a byline with my name on all the articles now. And the big thing is uh, that folks would want to keep an ear out for, for the people who were like, oh, I miss hearing you. Uh <laughs> This has actually been going on since August, but I didn't really want to make any sort of formal announcement because I want to make sure I got my sea legs under me. But you can hear me on Coast to Coast AM Friday nights in the first hour, generally at the bottom of the hour, uh, you know, like around 1.30 a.m. Eastern time. I do a weekly pop-in with the host and talk about the latest stories at the Coast to Coast AM website. So uh, your boy's gone national, folks. Um, it's just a Friday night segment. It's a lot of fun, though, and it's it's uh, it's an incredibly different experience for me uh, and one I'm enjoying quite a bit. So, yeah, so if you want to hear me in between Banal of America shows, especially after we wrap things up uh, for the Banal Day season, tune into that first hour of Coast to Coast AM on Friday nights. You can hear me then uh, do my news updates. And like I said, it's completely different from what you would normally hear on Banal of America. Um, but it's a real, you know, it's exciting for me because it's like a different, uh, it's a different sort of like thing that I'm doing all together, but it's still kind of in the realm of uh, Banal of America audio. So that's, I think that's all the in-house notes. I've taken up ten, 10 minutes of your time, but uh, that's about it. So that should answer everybody's questions. I'm doing great. Uh, you know, things are going well for me. And uh, how are you doing, Bruce? I'm kind of practically doing nothing. <laughs> Actually, I just uh, I'm getting started in another security job. Uh, we're in process of situating me. We're finding the right post for me right now. I'm with a company that I like a lot, and they value my experience. I've already done a little site doctoring for them. Uh, they had a really great site that I would have loved to take, but it was an impossible commute. Uh, it wasn't the distance; just the commute was way too unpredictable, so I just couldn't do it. But it paid exceptionally well, and I really liked the site. So they're working on finding me another one like it at the moment. Uh, and I'm enjoying myself. Nice, nice. Now we'll get into this deeper as uh, as the sh- as the night goes on. But um, I know one of the big uh, one of the big things I gave you grief about. Uh, I, I think it had to be last year was that you didn't have the Netflix streaming. Um, and and so we, I was like, just try it. And you were like, 
Yes. Now you've got the Netflix streaming, so you've you've turned into a full fledged uh, Netflix couch potato. Well, before I wasn't really situated for it. I didn't have a smart TV. Now I've got a smart TV. Uh, What happened? Long story here. I'll try and keep it short, but it's kind of fun. Uh, I had rain fall on my TV. Now the rain, my my pipes were so backed up that water was pouring out of the ceiling like Niagara Falls, and it killed my TV. I had bought it exactly one year before on uh, was it Labor Day or Memorial Day, whichever one is September first or that that one. Uh, the night before last year, it had gone out. <clears throat> so I went out the next day, got a new TV. The night, one year later to the day, I get rain falling down on my TV because of backed up pipes. I take it back to Best Buy because it's on warranty. And I tell them exactly what happened. And because the thing's on factory warranty and extended, they, at first they took it off to repair it. Uh, but then they couldn't find the part they needed, so they just gave me a replacement. And for nice. just a little bit extra... I think I ended up spending like 80 bucks extra for the five-year extended warranty because obviously it's very helpful. <laughs> I got a smart TV, uh, same brand. It's exactly like the one I had before, only a lot better. And since I happened to be situated now for streaming, uh, when I was talking to Netflix trying to take care of a billing problem, which still exists, uh, it's my credit card. For some reason, they're not able to process the credit card that everyone else has no problem with. So while I'm getting another credit card for them to uh, process, and I had them on the phone, I just said, well, how much exactly is streaming and blah, blah, blah. And I said, you know, I can do this now. I'm situated for it now. So I went ahead and I got streaming. And, yes, I have become a couch potato just chowing down on everything that's available on streaming because there's an amazing amount of stuff on streaming. I told you it was good stuff. Yeah, you weren't kidding. I can see why <laughs> Hollywood is so bothered by Netflix. I get it now. Yeah, they have quality programming. There was this whole revolution in broadcasting that happened back in 86, 87. Uh, it was 87, I think, when uh, Fox first came on the air. Fox just killed the networks. And all of them sat up and took because they were, they were just killing in the ratings in no time flat. And it was because they had fantastic alternative programming that was actually speaking to the audience that exists instead of just pandering to them with a bunch of bullshit. Uh, yeah. And that was just a, a huge, huge revolution when it came into being, and it's still there. Fox is still very, very strong. Uh, then you had the same thing happen when uh, the WB came into effect. Uh, the WB and the CW, then UPN got in on the act, and they were all taking a bite out of network. And I haven't really watched network since 1986, except uh, I see some syndicated what? reruns, uh, just like before I go to work or something, whatever happens to be convenient. Uh, and that way I catch up on some of the sitcoms that everyone else was watching that were popular. But that's like the only time that I ever catch network TV for the most part. Is that your sly uh, way of saying you like stuff. two broke girls? <laughs> you know, I, I think I saw a half an episode of two broke girls uh, at Village Inn. I was at the coffee shop and it happened to be on. So I got a little yeah. bit of that, but that's like the most I've it's seen. Hard, it. it's, hard, it's inescapable. It's on, <laughs> it's on like all the time. Yeah, there you go. But uh, all right, Netflix, so you're streaming now, yeah. Yeah, Netflix does all of that stuff only ten times more. It, it's the, it's doing all the things that the alternative networks did only ten times more than that, and with a great deal better quality. And what they've got available is just amazing. I mean, it, it, <laughs> they've just got this massive catalog of stuff that you can go and watch. You can watch uh, alternative network stuff. They got a crap ton of it. 
So anything you want to see, there it is, anytime. It's very handy. I can see why a lot of people are ditching cable and just sticking with Netflix. I stick with cable despite it's ridiculously expensive, but I stick with it because there are still a few stations I like to watch that Netflix doesn't have. So I wouldn't be surprised if somewhere down the line they pick. Well, have you looked into Hulu? Because Hulu has like everything that Netflix doesn't have. Yeah, I'm pretty sure Hulu yeah, has like all the that. stuff that's on the networks. Yeah, you should check that out because I think you're yeah you'd be well equipped to probably switch up and actually be one of those folks who can do it. I'm like I like live sports, so it's like the one thing I can't really uh, get. But uh, I think if you just like TV shows, I think you can get by with Hulu and Netflix and pretty much cover the whole like 95% of the spectrum. You know what I'm saying? And that one five percent, you probably would you'd have to get Amazon or whatever. You know what I'm saying? But it's like almost everything yeah, that's no, on TV I, I, has a streaming. I'll, I'll probably I'll probably end up doing that down the line. Uh, I mean, it took me a while yeah. to get into Netflix for crying out loud. But now that I have, at least I can see why everyone is so excited about Netflix, and why Hollywood is you know pulling on its face and saying we're in trouble. <laughs> I get it now. Right, yeah, yeah. Well, it's like they, yeah, they've taken over. They make their own shows and movies and everything now anyway. So it's like, you know, and they throw all this money at these shows. It's crazy. It's crazy. Why they haven't had an all-American show yet, I don't know. But hopefully someday soon. Yeah, plainly they've got some excellent backers. I mean, there are producers that are willing to throw money at this, and it shows. And uh, it works very well. Hmm. All right, well, let's start diving into the questions here. Uh, there's there's not an overwhelming amount uh, this year, I think, just because our outlet, you know, we just dropped this. <laughs> there's still there, – there will be people, folks, I guarantee you, who will think that we didn't do a Ruxgiving, even though we're actually in the midst of doing one now. So they'll, this is this how, how – it's just so confusing. Um, I don't understand. We've, we've told you as well as we can. So so that so by dropping it on people like a week ago, apparently that wasn't enough time, I think, uh, to, to get a, a slew of questions. But we got a, a fair amount, and they're pretty detailed uh, per usual when we get uh, Bruce on the show here for Ruxgiving. The first one comes from uh, Jim Vujovic, who's actually in the chat room right now. Uh, so he was the first to ask a question. He's in the chat room. He's clearly a, a hardcore okay, but Before fan we hit here. that, he, could, he could you turn your volume on just a little bit? You're a little bit faint. Uh, let me see. I think I'm as high as I can go. How how how, how uh, do I sound any better? Or am I, should I move a little bit? Let me see. No, how, it how's it sound? Same. I'll manage. I'll manage. All right. Do you want to maybe tell you what? Why don't you hang up and call in again? Maybe just get a fresh connection. See if that helps. All right. Just give me a second. I'll call right back. Yeah. All right. Bruce is going to call back. Maybe that'll change. That maybe that'll fix the delay too. Sometimes you get a call that's like it's just uh it's just bad it's just bad it's just bad wuju or whatever you call it. You know, it's a bad connection. Jim Vujovic is in the chat room. Jim is a good guy, folks. He actually uh, will connect us to the last uh, – hold on. Is Bruce back? Bruce is back. Can you hear me, Bruce? How do I sound, brother? Yes. Yes. Do I sound better? A little bit better. Still a tad bit faint, but it is a little bit better, yeah. All right. There's no controls here to turn anything up. So uh, if you need me to repeat something, just say so. Yeah, no problem. All right. Seems like blog talk's worse than ever, folks. So if I can ever get this 
get the, get uh, it's part of it's like why get a new system uh, set up when we barely do shows, but I, I really need to. Um, yeah, I was putting over Jim Vujovic, who's got the first question. Uh, he says, uh, I was saying that uh, to connect it back to Ben All of America, he he made these amazing. I think we may have talked about this on the final episode, but he made these amazing uh, koozies for Paramania in uh, New Orleans, where we had the big final uh, Ben All of America audio season 10 finale. And uh, <clears throat> I'm getting all choked up thinking of it now. Uh, <laughs> so they, they, uh, yeah. So Jim's a good guy, and he, they were a lot of work, and they're splendid. Uh, so I can't thank him enough, and I, I have uh, several of them in my office, sort of sitting on bookshelves that I. I was admiring one fondly uh, the other day, so uh, big thanks to Jim for that. And Jim has questions for Bruce, so here they are. Uh, first one is, um, since you'll be on opposite the Curse of Oak Island on History Channel, does Bruce have any opinion on what, if anything, might be buried there? Gold? Shakespeare folios? Holy Grail? Perfect Mai Tai recipe? So that's what he <laughs> wants to know. Uh what do you think, Sad Oak Island? Uh, Checkbox D. Checkbox D, all of the above. Uh, my guess is I wouldn't be surprised if you found something akin to Shakespeare folios. I think those guys had something to do with building it. Uh, Anigo Jones was probably the guy that built that, while well, he and a number of different engineers. Uh, I believe it was a product of the Elizabethans uh, who – let me rephrase that. I believe it was Elizabethans who were kind of underground Knights Templar, if you will. So the whole bit of whether it was the Templars, whether it was the Elizabethans, it was both, basically. That's my own opinion. As to what exactly is down there, really hard to say. Uh, it could be just nothing that they like baffling people. But um, my guess is that they probably did put something down there, which is probably, uh, congratulations, you made it here. How much did it cost? Ha ha. <laughs> <laughs> That's just a guess. Do you think it's possible that there was something there and they just took it like it's been going on for like over 100 years? You think like maybe it was it's possible that if there was anything there it was already taken? Oh no, they haven't gotten to whatever it is. I'm sure of that. Too many uh I don't know all the terminologies. Now the problem is there are these floodwater traps. You just can't get past the floodwater traps. You can't dig past them. The second you get to them, another right. one triggers. Boom. Uh so you're just stuck. So, yeah, whatever's down there, they intended it to stay down there for a good long while until someone could figure out how to beat that. And so far, the best engineers in the world have not been able to beat that. Yeah. Well, Jim says his fear is that the digging may have just uh, rendered the treasure inaccessible. Like maybe, like you're saying, how they kicked in the water, uh, that might have messed up the treasure somehow. I'm willing to bet that the people that built it safeguarded against that. If there's something down yeah. there of value, they would have protected it so that it wouldn't be damaged. Fair enough. All right. Am I coming in loud enough for you? Loud enough. <laughs> I'm practically shouting here, dude. <laughs> yeah, I, I hear you. Can you turn you. your volume This must not be an NSA link. It must be CIA. NSA are very slick. There wouldn't be a delay. You wouldn't even know they were there. So it's probably a CIA. Can you turn like the volume? Because like what happens is my phone is like it's the volume of the of you. So it's like I I can't turn my own volume up. So can you just turn the volume of your phone up? Is, is the hold you on know, a second? You have a volume that up. That works. That's that's yeah. a very simple solution. That's too simple for me. Hold on a second. 
Yeah, because that's when you said turn the volume up. Come on. Come on. Come on. Are you back? Hold on. Jesus. Right, I I just tore how's that? I I... How's that? that how, how do I sound? I had to turn it way See, up. I told you. I had to turn it way up, but it is working. That's, hey, mine's See, all the way in the solution. max, baby. Yeah, exactly. See that? Yep, that fixed it. But all of America. That fixed we're it. We're on Radio Shack phones. Um, all right, so that's your that's your take on Oak Island. I've been there. It's a nice place. I haven't been there in a long time, like 11 years, but uh, when I went there, it was pretty pretty interesting. So I don't like that show, though. It's quite that fascinating. Show? Yes, I've watched it a few times. Uh, I mean, everything that they go through is the stuff that everyone else has gone through, but it's kind of nice that they're able to show everybody that and yeah. talk about it. I mean, it's one thing to read about it. It's another thing to actually experience it with them. Because every time they think they've got something, they say, look, we're getting through. And it's like, boop, nope, there's a flood drop. <laughs> we can't get it. We can't get under that. You dig under it, another yeah, exactly. one kicks in. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's the – yeah, I see what you're saying. Yeah, how it's like everybody – yeah, all the rest of us have sort of heard, the, read the stories about what they did and shit. So it's like they're just trying to – they're just recreating – the quest of their, I just don't like how, like, before they go to commercial, they're always just, you know, they'll be, like, looking at a sonar thing, and they'll be like, hold on, hold on, we got, we got it, and it's like, and it's like, Tide Pods, and you're, you know, and then you got to wait to come back to the show, and it's like, get get out of here, yeah. you know, and then they'll come back, and they'll be like, oh, turns out it was a fish, it's like, you dick. <laughs> well, what's funny about that, they know that, they're just making it exciting oh, for the people know. to yeah, continue yeah. to watch Oh, yeah, for sure, yeah. This is like they don't that. stop what, for two that, minutes uh, like, sit around. What's that cryptozoology show that they have on sci-fi? I can never remember the guy's name. Where they're always looking for some mythical creature. Uh, you Josh mean like somebody. Monster Quest? Or? Oh, Josh Gates. That, Josh Gates. It's yeah. it's a really funny show. I love that show. I got hooked on that when I was uh, – it was right before bed. As a matter of fact, I had to go to work that day. And I was already a little bit late going to bed, but I happened to catch a few minutes of them looking for the Mongolian death worm. And just nice. the words Mongolian death worm brought such a smile to my face. And I was just biting it down because every time they said it, it sounded more and more ridiculous. <laughs> but they went out, you know, they're all the way out in Siberia trying to find stuff. <laughs> and they're just freezing their asses off and setting up all their equipment, all this other kind of crap. But I actually watched through the whole thing. I just couldn't, I couldn't resist. And of course they're not yeah. going to find anything, but there's still it's a lot of fun to watch. Um, all right, now Jim wants to also know if you've ever talked about the Kensington Rune Stone and Templars in America. I think we covered this on a past episode, but uh, I don't remember. So maybe just talk a little bit about it. So I'm afraid you could go. Jim's one of those people that you know you give him an inch, they take a mile. So he's got uh, I think three to four questions here rather than you know the polite one. So, but it's all right, Jim. It's all right. Uh, what is the deal with the Kensington Runestone and Templars in America? What do you, uh, you know, what do you, what do you think of that? The Kensington Runestone was found on a farm. I mean, just, you know, this farmer had this stone. <laughs> and, you know, some authorities are called in to check it out. It's got these runes on it. Now, the authorities are most prone to say, well, it's a fraud, it's a forgery, blah, blah, blah. But they can't say who made the forgery, because if it is, then it's extremely expert. 
And who would go to that much bother to do such a thing? Uh, it, there's an indication it would mean that the Vikings were here. That's not a surprise. We know the Vikings were here. Uh, they made it here you know, pretty much before everybody else. It, it's in their mythology. It's in their history. Uh, so that's not too terribly much of a surprise. Now, the Templars getting here, that's not too terribly much of a surprise either. They got pretty much everywhere. So uh, could it be a Templar or actual Viking artifact? Yeah, absolutely, it could be. Uh, the authorities are going to argue against it and say, well, no, uh, it's the wrong area or something's wrong with this or that or the other thing. But really, they can't be sure. Uh, we do have some authentic runes at various places, or at least they appear to be authentic. Uh, they, uh, they're written in exactly the same way that the Vikings wrote their runes or left their language, uh, and in the sense that they um, record history the same way that all the other authentic uh, Viking sources do. Now, wherever they left some kind of written record, this matches those. It's written in exactly the same style. So again, if they're forgeries of some type, they're expert forgeries, but who would go to this kind of bother? Why would they do that? And we do know that the Vikings were here. This is not a surprise, people. Uh, this is part of actual accepted history now. So is the Kensington runestone authentic? Uh, that's a really good question. Uh, probably, but I can't swear to it. Uh, it. It just would not surprise me if it was. Let's put it that way. I don't find it that remarkable if it is. All right, fair enough. Uh, Jim has one more question here. Uh, he tried to argue with me in the chat just now that that Kensington runestone was a follow-up question. Was it was somehow related to Oak Island? Shame on you, Jim. Don't try and pull a fast one on me. Uh, this th this third question, uh, Jim wants to know what was up with Valiant Thor. Uh, he wants to know if you really think he was from away, which I mean, I presume he means space. Uh, and an alien. So, uh, what do you what do you think of uh, Valiant Thor? Have you heard of the story? I'm sure you have. Uh, refresh me. He was some dude who showed up like in the. Now you're putting me on the spot because so, I tried to put you. You're talking about on the spot. Are you just talking about Thor it's like from some mythology old timey, in general? It's some kind. No, it's like an old timey myth. Uh, old timey UFO. Uh, story. The gist of it here is Valiant Thor lived as a stranger at the Pentagon for three years, interacting with President Eisenhower. It's like a whole like uh, mythos. I don't even know where it originated. It's the kind of thing uh, I got to ask Aaron Gullius about. But yeah, there's a whole thing where like Valiant mm -hmm. Thor, he cla claimed to come to the planet, and you know he somehow got mixed up with uh, in the Pentagon and stuff. And it's it's like a whole part of like the contactee movement and stuff. That's, you know I mean? that's the mythology. So, they used that. They used that mythology in Stargate SG One. Uh, I wasn't sure what that was based on. I think they, I thought they just came up with it themselves. But yeah, that's obviously what they were basing that on. No, I don't think there's anything to that. Uh, do I think that there was a Thor or that there were gods? Yeah, but I think the gods were people just like us. Do I think that you know any of them were hanging around the Pentagon? No. <laughs> I don't right, think they're right, there. Right. Right. I don't think. Yeah, I don't. I don't think. I wouldn't be surprised if that was the case, but I don't think that there was supposed to be any connection between the name Valiant Thor and Thor the God, but it's like – the whole thing is – part of the reason why I don't know anything about it is because the story, like, reeks of such bullshit that I never really bothered to, like, look into it. You know what I mean? If something is so It makes entertaining science bogus, fiction. I mean, they were basically making the Greys 
uh, the gods of Norse mythology in Stargate SG-1. I just kind of shrug and say, yeah, whatever. <laughs> right, right. You're half on the so, right track. Yeah. I mean, I've never given the Valiant Thor story any credence, so it's like I never bother to uh, to look into it. Um, yeah. So, I, but I'm sure we're working on trying to get Aaron on here for the banal day season, Aaron Gullius. So uh, I may ask him about that if I get the chance. And even though I gave Jim, uh, I gave him grief on Facebook about this, uh, he actually had a fourth question. Uh, he wants he wants to know is Colorado snow really whiter, crisper, and higher than other snow really? And I assume he actually refers to snow because now that I read his question, it sounds like he's talking about cocaine. Because he says it's Colorado snow <laughs> that should be that should be in scare quotes. Really in caps he put really is Colorado snow really whiter, crisper, and higher than other snow? Jesus, Jim, get help. Uh, <laughs> But for the sake of, uh, you know, decency, I'm going to assume he means frozen snow. So uh, is there anything special about snow? Oh, he says, no, every other commercial on my TV is about Colorado snow and skiing, he says. Okay. Well, that I understand. That's our major tourist industry here, and it always does very well. We always get plenty of snow in the mountains. I, I can use that question to tell you about Colorado weather. Uh, for any of you who are curious about the whole global warming thing, uh, Colorado benefits from global warming, where everyone else is suffering from it very badly. What I mean by that, uh, what day in November is this? I'm standing out on my back porch. I do have my winter coat on. Actually, just pleasantly cool, quite frankly. Uh, we don't have snow on the ground. We've only had mm, two very light snows. Uh, we're supposed to get some next week. We'll probably actually get some real snow next week. But it's it's like this. Uh, it used to be. Like, you see The Shining, Stanley Kubrick's The Shining. Uh, yeah. Those mountains are nowhere in Colorado, just by the way. And there is no hotel in Kubrick's The Shining that looks like any Colorado hotel. Those were the Swiss Alps. But everything else that was in that movie was straight from Denver. You know, they've actually got DIA. They've actually got the Denver Highways. Um, they've got the local radio stations and all of that. That was all accurate. Well, Colorado used to be famous for just blizzards every year. I mean, we got some nasty ones, uh, and they would be crippling blizzards. We've got stories about those. Uh, the blizzard of 82 was one of the biggest ones. I was caught in that. Everyone was one way or another. And, and we've had many others like it. That was just kind of a record one. Uh, we've had some that bad since, but very, very, very few. Uh, the point was that back in 82 and, and earlier, those were commonplace. You got those every year. Those were expected. You were going to get at least two really nasty snowfalls. Now we might get one, maybe two relatively heavy snowfalls, but that's about it. Now, most of the time we just kind of have ongoing Indian summer. And frequently in January and February, uh, you can stand outside in a short sleeve shirt uh, without a jacket on and, and feel just fine. It feels almost like spring. Uh, because our weather pattern moved up north and east. So in places on the eastern seaboard or around the Great Lakes, always had bad winters. Now they still have those bad winters, only they're much worse. That's because they got our bad winter on top of their bad winter. Uh, we're getting some of the warmer weather that's coming up, and it, it's actually very pleasant here most of the time. We don't get a whole lot of snow here. And as for the snow being whiter and crisper and taller and all of that, well, yes, in the mountains it is. 
Uh, every place else, it's just snow. All right, there you go, Jim. You've got your uh, your filling for uh, for for uh, the, the Rucks Giving Special. Um, yeah, I don't have anything to say about the Colorado snow, so we yeah, <laughs> I don't even know. I don't. Some of these questions, I don't know where they come from. That's why I was like, I read that question. I'm like, wait a minute. I think this guy's trying to pull a fast one on us here. Um, all right. So since you're since you wrote the book uh, Hollywood versus the Aliens, this one's a pretty good question. I, I try to. I'd rather not even get into politics, but since uh, it's my dear friend Alfred Lemberg and he asked the question, and you did write the Hollywood book, uh, he wants to know if Hollywood, in quotes, should have public political positions. It's impossible for them not to, because they are largely the mouthpiece for various administrations. During the W administration, very early on after 9-11, I I have to at least give that administration credit for one thing. They were completely transparent about that. They literally got up. They held a news conference, and they got up in front of everybody and said, we're making super patriotic films in Hollywood uh, about 9-11 and about everything else. They're propaganda movies. And they just stated it straight up. Now, this was nothing new. It's been going on forever. That's what my book is about. But they at least were honest enough to admit that straight up. (laughs) Uh, They were using the Office of Public Diplomacy, I think is what Reagan called it. Uh, The Office of Public Diplomacy uses Hollywood all the time to make political statements. And that cuts both ways. Uh, I get into that a lot in my book. I mean, you'll see differences in, in the movies between Republican and Democratic administrations. Like during the Clinton administration in particular, suddenly you saw a hell of a lot more black people, Mexicans, uh, the supposed minorities. who really aren't that much anymore. But you saw them like really filling a whole hell of a lot of roles where they hadn't before. And that's kind of continued since for the most part. So, I mean, it cuts both ways. You get the Republicans driving up the fear factor usually, and you get the Democrats trying to push uh, a more liberal progressive social agenda. Now, are either of them terribly realistic? Not really. They're propaganda. But it's unavoidable that we're going to get political statements. Uh, I can cite a particular example here. I'm a Democrat myself, and I consider myself rather socially progressive and liberal. Uh, It's hard for me to watch Supergirl. I love the DC TV shows. They're fun. But it's hard for me to watch Supergirl because I'm just getting this political correctness primer from week to week and literally being lectured, uh, you know, the – uh, the president is a woman, uh, as Linda Carter plays the president, who is plainly patterned after Hillary Clinton, although interestingly they also make her an alien, <laughs> which might explain a lot. Um, Linda Carter, wow. She's any still event, around? Yes, she is still around, and she's still delightful. She's always fun in interviews. I, I always like reading interviews with Linda Carter. Uh, she was very vocally supportive of the new Wonder Woman movie. And I'm sorry they didn't find a cameo for her somewhere. If they did, I missed it. Um, Did you like that new Wonder Woman? Delightful. I still have it on my DVR. I haven't watched it yet. Uh, it might be a good thing. I it's like Blockbusters on Thanksgiving. I might watch it. Yeah? Yeah. It, it's good. It's highly overrated. Uh, everyone was just, you know, wow, it's the most incredible superhero movie. It's an average superhero movie, folks. Really, that's all it is. Yeah. Uh, I don't find it much better or worse than any other superhero movie. It's a solid superhero movie from DC, which is really important because DC makes the worst goddamn movies. And then a great yeah, TV they show suck, and terrific cartoons. Yeah, they're like the worst. Yeah, yeah. None of their none of their movies ever look compelling. 
No. Well, and there's a reason for that. See, Marvel loves their characters. Uh, and they will give you those characters. They give you the exact characters you want. And they give you the stories that you want. Because they love their characters. And they know the fans love those characters. So they work. And even if you're not you know, a big fan of those characters, if you're coming into them cold, you will know who those characters are. And you will get to love them too. <laughs> Excuse me. So they've got, their, they've got the handle on that. Now, DC, interestingly enough, usually uh, when they're doing the TV shows and especially their cartoons, they do the same thing. Their cartoons are fantastic, and most of the TV is pretty good. But for some reason, whenever they make a movie, they say, how can we reinvent this character so that no one will recognize them? No one wants to see just, you know, Batman doing good. Uh, let's make him a mad vigilante who brands people. And maybe he kills people now and then, too. Yeah, that'll work. <laughs> no, it's not Batman. What the hell are you doing? Uh, let's give them a, yeah. a glum, dour Superman who never smiles. What the fuck? I want him in candy colors, for Christ's sake. Uh, this, is, this is the all-American guy. Come on. Uh, you got to make these characters who they are. You, you don't want to reinvent them beyond all recognition. You see some of that stuff yeah. uh, in Netflix, and it's like, you know, Chilling Adventures of Sabrina. What's this whole Archie Comics line where they've got these weird, dark, supernatural, satanic things going on? Like, well, what the fuck is this? Who wants to see Samantha Stevens performing a human sacrifice on the wedding altar? <laughs> this is just ridiculous. Yeah, it seems like those DC movies all... They're like, they're like always... Like, it's like always just too dark and sort of like overcast and just... Is it dark? If I mean, like visually dark, and the other, and the Marvel ones are like more colorful and sort of like cartoony. If that makes any sense, and I like those a lot better. They're so. fun. They're fun. Yeah, exactly. Exactly the Marvel, fun. That's the, that's Marvel the word. stories are always fun, and you don't have to know those characters going in. Anyone can go in blind and get to know the characters as if they've read the comic books their entire lives because they're true to them. And why DC doesn't do that with their own characters in the movies, I really don't know. I just don't get that at all. But that's the entire problem right there. That's why their movies suck and Marvel's movies are fantastic. Yeah. I will say this. they got to stop with the Spider-Man movies. Enough's enough. They've, I think we're on like our third fucking Spider-Man now. Um, the ones yeah. with Tobey Maguire were fine. <laughs> Those were perfectly fine. They didn't need to make any more after that. So I know there's some kind of contract yeah, thing where they have to make fantastic. a new one every 10 years or something, but it's like no one wants to see... They've done the origin story of Spider-Man. I, they ha- I think they've definitely done it twice. They may have done it three times now. It's like it, within 20 years. It's like, give me a break, dude. No one, wants yeah. to, no one wants to see the origin story of Spider-Man with a different, with a different guy playing, you know, with all the different characters, with all, well, you know, all different actors playing the same characters. Like, you know, it's like really annoying. Did, did you see Homecoming? Did you see Spider-Man Homecoming? No, no, I don't, I don't, I won't, I won't, I don't abide by Spider-Man. I refuse to, I refuse, I like the, the watch, ones are pretty Spider-Man good, Homecoming. I like those, but, all right. I, I agree with you, but watch Spider-Man Homecoming, that was a pleasant surprise. That was okay. kind of Deadpoolish. That was, de- it was Deadpooling Spider-Man. All right, I'll, is that like a more recent one? Yeah, that's like the most recent one. Okay. All right, see, I can't even keep up with these. There's like too many of these these superhero movies too, so it's hard to really like. I don't have the time. I'm not really that invested in it. Where it's like I'm not so. It's not like Lost. 
you know, where it was like you really needed to see the next chapter of whatever was happening. With me, it was like I liked the Avengers movie, and I think that's pretty much where I got off the train. The original Avengers. I think they're up to, like, Avengers 3 now. But, like, I, I checked out at the original Avengers, like, five or six years ago. I was like, that's pretty much the peak. I've seen all the superheroes team up. I'm sure I know people will be like, oh, Infinity War or whatever, but it's like, I don't even know. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know if I is – is Infinity War worth checking out? I, I haven't actually seen it yet. It's on my list. Like I said, I'm having a little problem okay. with the Netflix, Netflix disc side right now. It's top of my list. Uh, I'm going to get that fixed probably this week. Um, I've been just you know enjoying the streaming for the moment. But that's next on my list. I do want to see it. Uh, this is the funny thing. See, I was never a big fan of the Avengers. I just didn't care. But Joss Whedon did a fantastic job with them uh, in both movies, really. So I'm sure the third one's going to be pretty good, too. And, in fact, I liked Justice League a hell of a lot better than everybody else did. I think I like Justice League the way everybody else liked Wonder Woman, and oddly everyone else was going gaga about Wonder Woman and poo-pooing Justice League, and I kind of don't get it. Uh, I was surprised at how good Justice League was overall. Yeah. Well, I'll see. Like I said, I've had Wonder Woman on my DVR for like two years, so that's how that's how little I care, or however long since Wonder Woman came out on HBO or whatever. That's like how little you know yeah, I right. care about it. But yeah. That sounds about um, right. Yeah. Excuse me. Anyway, okay, so uh, st- to be fair, Alfred also, he was asking about Hollywood having public political positions. He also then puts uh, religious institutions. So I think he means should, should religious institutions have public political positions. It's like, dude, this is a drag, man. I don't <laughs> – but I'll ask Bruce, well, but actually, no, I can address no one wants to talk about this. <laughs> No, actually, I can address that. I do want to talk about that. Uh, I was All right, Bruce wants to talk about thing it. With, yeah, I stand correct. Uh, that whole weird thing with Chilling Adventures of Sabrina. Uh, RG Comics, I'm not sure when they started this. It was relatively recently. <clears throat> They've got this whole dark supernatural line with the RG Comics, uh, which you know, I'm just scratching my head. You know, zombie jughead. Uh, werewolves and vampires attacking Betty and Veronica. What the fuck is this? You know, this is a robot chicken sketch. You can't do this seriously. This is just ludicrous. But I stop and scratch my head wondering where that comes from. And the answer that I usually come up with is this. Some of you may remember Tipper Gore putting uh, warning labels on rock albums or wanting to put warning labels on rock albums. I don't remember if she succeeded in doing it or not. Uh, because of, you know, satanic backmasking, people becoming possessed by, you know, demons from, you know, they're encoded into the music and our, our kids are being attacked by Satan, which was just ridiculous. <laughs> but yeah. this is the high quarters of power in Washington. There are actually people in Washington that believe this bullshit. In the W administration, they went apeshit because he stocked his entire uh, administration with Bible thumpers. And the crazy Bible thumpers at that. You literally had, this made the news, uh, some of his people were staying at some hotel for a conference. They left the hotel that they were in because one of them saw a Harry Potter book there. And they said, oh my God, someone's reading Harry Potter here. We're going to become possessed by the devil. This place is under the influence of Satan. And they left the hotel and went to another Jeez. hotel as if people weren't reading Harry Potter there. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> it's just laughable. 
but they're that serious about this bullshit. So what goes through my mind about this Archie Comics crap is this. I say somewhere in Washington, you've got this cabal of people that sit together and say, people are, our teenagers are watching things like Sabrina the Teenage Witch. They think that, it, that witchcraft is, is charming, that it's funny, that it's cool. We have to show them. We have to show them that it is, it's dark, it's, it's satanic, that Satan is evil and, and their soul will roast in hellfire forever. We have to show them the truth of Satan. So these guys then take their Washington money and throw it to somebody in Hollywood to come up with bullshit like the chilling adventures of Sabrina, <laughs> thinking that it's going to have that effect. Well, it's going to do the exact opposite. Or it's going to have everybody scratching their heads like me and saying, what the fuck is this? <laughs> Why did you turn a robot chicken sketch into a series that I'm supposed to take seriously? Exactly. All right. Well, there you go. I don't know what, you know. I, yeah. I I think he was saying religious institutions having political – I don't understand the question, to be honest with you. But either way, it's like, yeah, I, I see what you're saying. I totally see what you're saying. You know, there's always going to be, like, this contingent of people who are, like, pearl clutchers who think that this, this stuff's, like, evil. But, you know, they got to just the chill out, man. power. <laughs> yeah, I know. Power. Well, you know, fear sells, the dude. They scare everybody, and then they're like, I'll be, go to Washington. And, yeah, you know, they're just, yeah. Well, they're like, you know I'll go to Washington the remote viewing program? You know about the remote viewing program in Washington, right? Yeah. Uh, a yep. lot's been written about that over the years since uh, about the late 90s that it went public. And they had some fantastic successes with that. Now, that was discontinued officially in the intelligence circles. Uh, and they may actually have discontinued it officially because they, they have officially continued it in the private sector. Now it's been privatized. Right, right. So that, that's an open secret. It's, it's actually public knowledge. Um. I'll think of some names in a minute who are involved in certain corporations. Uh, but it's still going on. But the reason that the funding was discontinued for it in intelligence circles was because there were senators in Washington who thought that it was witchcraft. They thought, oh, my God, this is satanic, and they discontinued the funding for it. These are the people that make our decisions, and this is how they make them. Just know this, people. Know this. All right, uh, we'll jump down here. This guy, David McIntyre, is another one who submitted, like, way too many, so we're going to hold his to the very end um, so we can do sort of some more ping-pong ones and just uh, hit some short strikes, if you will. Um, Michael Reynolds, he says he loves when you talk about pirates, and he'd like to know if you've dabbled in Injustice 2, which I assume is uh, a game involving pirates. Oh, hell yes. I play Injustice 2 all the time. I was playing it before I called uh, tonight. That's why it was a couple minutes late, actually. I was right on time, but I should have been a little bit earlier. Uh, and I had to space yeah. everything out, get my shower in, all this other kind of crap. And um, I was playing Injustice before I got on the phone. Just took first place with Red Hood in a solo spotlight hard match, as a matter of fact. Very proud of that. Looks very good. I beat uh, There are three of us who are in our own... Thank you. There are three of us who are in our own top league, uh, meaning that any battles you go into, you're always going to see our three names up top. Uh, they vary as to who's you know, first, second, and third, 
and we're frequently swapping places with each other. The best one is probably a guy who calls himself Glider Chase. Uh, I'd say he has more first places than anybody. And uh, Ed Sapero and I, um, we just kind of swap positions back and forth. Uh, right now, I think he's yeah. a little bit ahead of me. It doesn't concern me much. It's just kind of fun. I salute these guys. They're good players, obviously. But we're in our own league, and uh, that's kind of a nice place to be. Yeah, I love Injustice, too. I play it all the time. All right. Uh, and he also wanted to know, this connects to a classic Rux situation here, he wants to know if you've ever heard the piece of music by Hans Zimmer that he wrote for the people at the Dark Knight screening in Aurora. No, I haven't. <clears throat> I'd like to. I like Hans Zimmer. He's right. a very good uh, composer. Well, I guess you'll have to Google that because I didn't, uh, you know, and I don't think we can play it anyway if we, if I wanted to. So, but, uh, yeah, apparently he wrote some music there. Yeah, I listen to Hans all Zimmer right. all the Sorry. time. He, he, he composes really good mood, mood music. He did the scores to uh, the Pirates movies, which is probably where that's coming from. It may be, yeah. It's a really good score. All right. Uh, yeah, that was an easy one. Todd Fry, this one's a good one because this could get us going for a while. Todd Fry wants to know, uh, in your opinion, what is the most underreported conspiracy or story that would interest uh, the listeners? Underreported conspiracy. <laughs> right now, and it's still underreported. Uh, the Mandalay Bay Massacre. Yeah, the Mandalay Bay Ma- I do not know anybody who believes the official story about the Mandalay Bay Massacre, or I should say official stories, because they keep changing the damn things. And even when they try and set it in stone, still no one believes it. Uh, yeah. it. It isn't talked about much anymore. They just swept it under the rug. They were doing it, they could, everything they could to sweep it under the rug from day one. Uh, but literally, I mean, I hang out at coffee shops. I'm out in public all the time. I've lived in public most of my life. And I hear people talk. These are people I don't even know. I mean, certainly no one I know believes any of that shit. But people I don't know don't believe any of that shit. And I hear them talking about it and saying exactly that. In the same tone of voice I'm using right now, they're laughing about it or they're pissed off about it. They think, what the fuck? What the hell was that? And every now and then I'll I'll still hear someone bring that up. It's a crazy story. Yeah, that's a good choice because it's like they seem to have released a fair amount. Well, no, not really a fair amount, but they seem to have released some information. But even that's like it doesn't give you any any means of, like, putting this thing together at all. Everything conflicts. Everything. They keep having to change the story because of all the conflicting shit. Um, really, what it comes down to, it was plainly some kind of black op that went south. Something went wrong. And that's why they're trying to sweep it under the rug. Uh, the guy, I can't remember his name, the guy who was uh, supposedly behind all of this, who I don't think fired a single shot, except in self-defense when someone came to shoot him. Yeah, Paddock. Paddock was his name. The shots weren't coming from the Mandalay Bay Hotel. They were coming from everywhere else. There were at least three different places that people were shooting. You can hear it. Uh, I listened to an entire, like, 20-minute thing uh, on YouTube. There was a taxi driver who uh, was going around the Mandalay Bay Hotel looking for some business. And things were perfectly quiet there. Now, before he got there, at the street that he was at, you could hear what sounded like automatic gunfire from three different um, semi-automatic weapons. And he, he sort of commented on that. He said, what are these, like fireworks or something? What's going on? Uh, but he wasn't seeing any lights anywhere or anything like that. There was no reason for there to be any kind of fireworks. 
And they did sound like automatic weapons from three different locations and three different kinds of weapons. Well, he drives over to the Mandalay Bay Hotel. This is all continuous video. He drives down to the Mandalay Bay Hotel. There's nothing going on there. Not a damn thing. And as he gets there, his dispatcher is contacting everyone and saying, don't go to the Mandalay Bay area. There's shooting going on there, blah, blah, blah. And he's kind of shrugging and saying, man, I'm here. (laughs) There's nothing going on here. Uh, and he hung around for a few minutes, but then he, he listened to the dispatcher and said, well, maybe something's going on I don't know about, or maybe it's coming out here, or who knows. So he, he drives away, and he drives by where the concert is. And um, I think he drove by like a couple times, and as he's looping by, suddenly there are all these people, you know, running and screaming and beelining the hell out of there as fast as they possibly can. Four of them pile into his cab, and he says, where do you want to go? I says, what's going on? I says, where do you want to go? Just anywhere, anywhere but here. <laughs> okay. So he drove them, uh, I don't know, like 10, 15 miles away uh, to some hotel where they could just chill. But this is like a continuous 20-minute video. Nothing is going on at the Mandalay Bay. It's going on everywhere else. There were plainly multiple shooters. Uh, So then you get the security guard who, you know, got wounded in the line of duty or whatever. Uh, Plainly, the guy who was supposedly responsible for all the shooting was executed. He was the Lee Harvey Oswald in this. He was a setup of some kind, and he knew they were coming after him, and he defended himself. Aside from that, I don't know that he fired a single weapon. I know that he had a hell of a lot of weapons up there, but he was an arms dealer. Everything about him screams CIA or some other government agency, and that he is an arms dealer, an international arms dealer, and he's protected. So he knew that something was going down and that something was coming his way. It was a black op that went south, or he was a setup to cover something. Uh, but, you know, we're never going to know what the truth is behind that. All we can do is take a look at the bullshit that they try and spin around the actual facts that do leak out and try and figure it out. It's an official lie covering up something that's terribly embarrassing to the government. My guess is it's a black yeah. op that went south, way south. Yeah, it's really interesting. I've heard conflicting things about that taxi video. Uh, I haven't watched it fully, so but I will say because you know in the event that we get people being like, no, um, yeah, that I I, I could have sworn like I heard that like acoustic people checked it out, and I don't know, I I can't I can't do justice the skeptical approach, but that that's what I heard. So people your mile people's mileage may vary. Uh, you know, Google that. Uh, more if they want to figure it out because like I could have sworn that people were like people took issue with that but I'm in agreement with the something is amiss about that remember the guy you mentioned in there the the guard it was like I remember when like he like first like first there was like no mention of him at all you know and then all of a sudden it was like oh yeah there was a guard there too his name's Bruce or whatever you know so then they're like then it was like well where the where's Bruce you know, where is this guy that you just mentioned? You know, then it was like, we can't find him. And to top everything else off, he, he works for a company that doesn't exist. It's a paper company. There is no such security company. It was like right, Ford right. on paper, but there's no company there. <laughs> Who is this guy? And I think somebody would have Who to look it up. Really? But I think like that he showed up like on Dr. Phil or or uh, oh yeah or Ellen or something. No, he showed, he up, showed on, up on uh, some like – I think it was Ellen did I think it was Ellen DeGeneres. I'm not sure. I believe so, but which I'm not like, sure now. Which is like the completely off, you know, that should tell people, like, if you think, 
I'm not a super into like sort of Hollywood conspiracies, but it's like if you ever wonder like who will just <laughs> drop everything at the behest of like the government, like I would assume that that must mean Ellen DeGeneres would, because it's not like she was like biting at the chomping at the bit to get like the exclusive interview with the guy who was the guard at the shooting. It's like she's interviewing like Tom Cruise and stuff. You know, it's like the completely the wrong Whoever. show for this guy to appear on. Well, anybody who that dropped in their lap, they would take it. They would take it in a heartbeat. No, I realize that. Right, but right. why would they pick that venue? That's the question. Why there? That might be a better way of putting it. You're right. Yeah, I didn't think of it that way. But if they were like, hey, the guy, you know the guy, Bruce, he wants to do your show. And it's like, oh, shit, really? Okay, sure. Why not? That's huge. That's a coup. Why is this like, not why? 60 minutes? Right, exactly. Yeah. Like why are you? Why is this guy not on like yeah the nightly news or whatever Connie Chung or whoever whoever does the big interviews now uh, Lester Holt or something. Um, and it was an exclusive. Yeah. Yeah, he wasn't talking to anyone else. He was being shuffled off to the side. In fact, originally he was supposed to appear on Hannity, and he canceled out at the last minute, and uh, then yeah, suddenly yeah. showed up like on on Ellen or whatever it was. It's like what? What is this? And he's not talking to anyone else. He's being handled, and he always had a handler with him. Wherever he went, there was a handler sitting right next to him the whole time. Uh, and you know, I think he only no did interview. that one interview too. So yeah, that was it. It was like, and and look at like now we don't even know the dude's. I mean, we know it. Like we could Google it, but like we don't know it off the top. Like he's pretty much faded into obscurity. Essentially, is the point. Like, yep, like gone. this dude. <laughs> he didn't write a book. He didn't do he's anything. He's off in the South Seas Islands in a retirement home, perfectly happy. They could have easily, they could have murdered the guy, and we wouldn't even know, honestly. So it, it's like the yeah, whole they thing just, is they, they retired him someplace. They gave him a pension. They retired him someplace. Gave him a new name. Yeah, the whole thing stinks to high heaven. So I don't know what. It's just it's remarkable. Well, the problem I think with the, the state of the world, I guess you'd say, the state of like this kind of stuff we're interested in is like. These things like that that should be a really important conspiracy to people like have fallen by the wayside because like we just live in this insane conspiracy culture where everything is a conspiracy. So it's like uh, it, it's it's not it's not it, it's like not it didn't have the lasting power of a conspiracy. You know, it's crazy. Yeah, it really is like wild. The real conspiracy. Like if that happened like 10, 10, 15 years ago, it would have been huge. Quiet. Yeah. Yeah. The real conspiracies you're never going to hear about. They keep those quiet. Yeah. I certainly think the arms deal gone awry is the is the that seems to be the answer that most people have because, like, it the only, it's the only really plausible thing that makes any sense. So. Yeah, um, there might have been like, some sort of repercussions. Yeah. My guess is that something went wrong. A, a dime got dropped on the agent, and someone decided to uh, do a little payback. But whatever it was, something went south. I mean, very, very badly yeah. south. I'm sure it was some sort of sting operation or some sort of government setup. And it, oops, boy, did that blow up. Yeah, it just makes you wonder. Uh, it could have been for any reason. Like, like the deal went south, and they, uh, and the, um, you know, the deal went south, and then uh, the person, whoever, whoever was, got screwed. That's just kind of the phrase I was trying to come up with. The guy who got screwed, whoever got screwed out of the deal or something, like was like, all right, well, screw you. I'm going to shoot all these people, you know, and make, 
Yeah. Your your bad day just I mean, got a lot been, worse. You could have been a bloody Russian mafia for crying out loud or somebody like that. And they're, they're people you don't mess with. If they know that they've been messed with, they might strike back. Right, right. And they got all these people like sitting duck down there on the ground. They're like, all right, well, you know, here's – <laughs> we we deliver a message. Like, we deliver our own exactly, message yeah. to Washington. Exactly, yeah. Like, like to let geez, them dude. know that we are not stupid. Uh, yeah. All right, so next question. Uh, Jim Fulyevich is still trying to get more questions in in the chat. He's going to have to wait because we got other people here. We're close, actually, to the end of the questions, as crazy as that sounds. Uh, James Archer just says, Pizzagate. So... Uh, do you have thoughts on Pizzagate? <laughs> well, Pizzagate is, is kind of a tempest in teapot. There's really not much going on as far as that goes, which is not to say that there isn't a big pedophile ring going on in Washington, D.C. Uh, that is not a secret. That's been known for a very long time. In fact, that went straight into the halls of power with Reagan and especially the Bush senior administrations. Um but it never really got a whole lot of media play. That got squelched real quick. But, yeah, it's there. That does exist. Pizzagate, if Pizzagate was anything, it was someone's attempt to put a circus aura around that entire subject to get everyone to not think about it anymore. But, yeah, it exists. It exists in Hollywood, too. Hollywood and Washington are kind of joined at the hip. Clinton made that transparently yeah. obvious, and so did W. And uh, a few other presidents have as well. Reagan was obviously very tied in with the Hollywood crowd. Um, sort of. I mean, most of the Hollywood crowd was not politically with him, <laughs> but he was still in with the Hollywood crowd. And he was definitely using Hollywood for propaganda, like I said, with the Office of Public Diplomacy. None of this is a secret. This is something anyone could look up. And, hell, you just have to watch the movies from the era, and you can see it. Yeah. Um, all right, yeah. Pizzagate's kind of like the Valiant Thor thing. I don't really put too much uh, stock into it. Have you followed – that said, though, have you – this one seems almost more up your alley. Uh, I don't know how deeply you followed it because it's really esoteric. But uh, have you, like, looked into the whole the – whole, I'm laughing because I find it to be, like, insanely ridiculous. Have you looked into QAnon, the QAnon thing? Uh, refresh me real quick. Oh, God. All right, uh, Okay, this is, like, really complicated. It started out, like, a year ago. Somebody on 4chan was, like, posting these, uh, like, cryptic messages claiming to be, like, a government insider. It's a new conspiracy theory made up of all the old conspiracy theories. Um, and essentially claimed to be a government insider and was and is. It's, been, it's still going on and is teasing out that um, – uh, it's, a, it's a vast conspiracy. Let's put it that way. It's teasing out a vast conspiracy where, like – all the Democrats are part of this, like, satanic, uh, you know, child sex ring, and Donald Trump knows about it, and he's working behind the scenes to, like, wipe out the satanic underground. That's, that's, the, that's the super, super boiled down gist of it. And it's, like, teased out no, in this I... cryptic way. It's, it's, it's super insane, dude. I'm laughing about it because, like, no one takes it seriously. It's generally regarded as just, like, the biggest, you know, as, as something that only real – like people who have nothing better to do in life but believe like anything they're told uh follow up on. No, I agree with you. You've got that one pegged pretty well. Uh, no, I don't believe that that's the case. Uh, interestingly enough, one of the first things Trump did, this was very quiet, it was underreported, uh, he did kind of light a fire under uh, hitting a lot of those child prostitution rings and stuff like that, uh, which is, at least he did one good thing, you know. 
Um, but like I said, it's underreported. It's not talked about much. But no, that was not a thing about Democrats or Republicans. That's just those rings because they do exist. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, this is the thing. We're like this, that conspiracy and Pizzagate. They've now like laid that over, where it's like just just one side's doing this. It's like get the get out of here, dude. Like it's just oh, no, complete no. partisan politics. You know, it's like that's insane, <laughs> dude. Read the Franklin cover-up for God's sakes, man. Like educate yourself. Corruption and stupidity stretch across the aisle. It's, both parties have got a lot of that going on. Exactly. Exactly. Um, and I don't think, you know, I mean, I'm, and I'm sure you've heard this thing, like, for ages, too, where it's like there's this conspiracy theory that it's like these – I don't even like talking about it because it's just so fucking nasty. But it's like that, 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 that like every – all the power brokers, everybody who's a power broker is, like, into crazy child, all that shit. And it's like, no, dude. Like, I don't – I'm sorry, man. I, I don't believe – you know, they may be into like magic, some of them, but it's, but I think most of them are just dopes and 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 you know like power hungry jerks, you know, who want to be a part of Congress or whatever and and have have money and sway. I don't think they're like, you know, Satanist, um, you know, sacrificing children and stuff. You know, if there are people like that, they're not going to get too far <laughs> when dead bodies start popping up. Uh, you know, and the FBI is going to be on that in no time flat, and so are a lot of other different agencies. There are – I dated a woman in law enforcement. I'm not even sure what bureau or agency she worked for, to tell you the truth. But she was definitely some kind of undercover operative, and I knew her for a number of years. We dated on and off for years, and I learned a lot of stuff from her. Uh, in law enforcement, there's an entire division. Now, just like you have the Behavioral Sciences Unit of the FBI – there's an entire division, I mean, just in Colorado alone, let alone every other state, that handles uh, ritual crimes, uh, ritual magic crimes and stuff like that, because those do exist. And frequently, a lot of drug rings use that. Uh, I'm trying to remember the name of the guy. <clears throat> there was a place in Matamoros. Um, they found a bunch of bodies buried that had been ritually sacrificed and stuff like this, and they shut down a big drug ring. But I can't remember the guy's name. This was whew, many years ago. Uh, not not outside of living memory, but a ways back, like uh, late 80s into the 90s, sometime in there. Um, there is an underground, uh, a sort of satanic underground, if you will, that's usually involved in drugs. Uh, in fact, the Son of Sam case was reopened uh, due to the investigative reporting of a guy named Maury Terry, who published a book called The Ultimate Evil. And that's exactly what he was talking about. He was looking at the yeah. Manson murders and, uh, and the Son of Sam murders and a few others and was able to tie them together into what he called the white satanic mafia. Uh, they operated exactly like the mafia, but they were not Cosa Nostra. They were not Italians. They're just a bunch of white guys who are very smart and organized criminals. And he was pointing at all of these as organized drug murders. He does an excellent job of reporting that. In fact, I happen to agree with his thesis. And so do the New York police, because they did reopen the Son of Sam case on the basis of uh, his reporting. Yeah. Well, I don't doubt for sure that there's, like, a satanic underground. I just don't believe that it, like, overlaps, unless it's, like, a very tiny sliver of a Venn diagram with, like, you know, the, the, the fucking Congress. <laughs> so, you know, yeah, I, I would find me. that a little difficult to believe. If someone wanted right, to organize right. a hit, 
possibly, but I would think that the CIA could get better operatives than that if that was what they were going to do. So I forget how we got to that uh, off, off, off of QAnon. So, yeah, essentially that the QAnon thing essentially is that. Um, and it's way more complex. It's like uh, uh, Adam Go Rightly, who's like a genius, has written a lot about this. Uh, he's like a conspiracy maven. And he just sort of traces how all how the seeds of all this are in all those old conspiracies we're talking about. And it comes up again in this new one where people are like, they think they're hip to some new thing where it's like, dude, this we, we were hearing about this like in the 80s. This isn't like, you know, some new yeah. thing. <laughs> There's a, um, a general maxim yeah. that anyone can follow in conspiracy theories. And it works like this. Right-wing conspiracy theories to the best of my knowledge, not one right-wing conspiracy theory has ever proven to be true. Left-wing conspiracy theories, I'm hard-pressed to think of a single one that hasn't turned out to be true, down the line. Well, give me some like examples Vacaville here prison. of the different sides. Okay, Vacaville Prison, for starters. Uh, it was said by you know a lot of people on the left that Vacaville Prison was being used by the CIA for secret experiments uh, on the prisoners for a long time. Uh, and yeah. everyone was saying, oh, that's just conspiracy theory. Well, a couple decades down the line, guess what? Paperwork comes out, and yes, they were. Uh, and there are a whole lot of those. Now, a right-wing conspiracy theory is something like the U.N. is trying to take over the United States, uh, and that's why um, we're getting different groups from Switzerland or whatever in here, and they're going to have armed weapons yeah, and yeah, round yeah. everybody up in camps and blah, blah, blah. It doesn't happen. It just never happens. Yeah. It's ridiculous on the face of it. And it just doesn't happen. Uh, that's the difference between a right-wing conspiracy theory and a left-wing conspiracy theory. Uh, like I said, the left-wing conspiracy theories, almost always true, if not always true. Right-wing conspiracy theories, never seen a one that panned out. Well, it's Usually funny. Usually they're, Again, they're I, I, on the face of it. Yeah. I'm in total agreement with you there. What, what strikes me is uh, what strikes me is that oh, – now I lost my train of thought – Give me a minute. It'll pull back into the station here. Um, right wing and left wing. Oh, uh, what strikes me about this QAnon thing, too, is like because um, they believe that Donald Trump is going to like uh, is the savior of of, you know, humanity, for lack of a better term, that that uh, they're now like, listen to this, because this is crazy, because, I mean, you live through the 90s and, and all the stuff where it's like, oh, they're they're, having, yeah. they're, they're building they're camps already. and all that. Continue. These people, their attitude, they're like actively cheering for martial law. Like they, 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 they're down with just Trump declaring martial law and rounding up all of the, all of the satanic underground, i.e., Democrats. And it's like you're yeah. so the very thing that you've been sounding the alarm about for like decades, you're now in favor of. It's like, gee, you're going in the camps yeah. too, man. I don't know, I don't know why Billy Bob and Bismarck thinks that. You know he's going to be part of the new ruling class. It's not. It's not happening, Billy Bob. No, it's not happening. <laughs> None of that is happening. Not only are you not going to be part of the ruling class, but the ruling class is not going to do this. And this exactly. is what I was trying to say earlier. It's like, look, it, there is a sort of satanic drug underground that does exist. There is this sort of brotherhood, if you will. They use it for recruiting techniques and to keep people secret and to uh, initiate them into violence. The CIA does a lot of that, too, abroad. But if they do something like that, it spills into public view. And guess what? Law enforcement gets involved in that lickety-fucking split, and wow, are they going to slam the hammer down on it really bad. 
They're going to track that down, and they're going to shut it down. Well, there you go, yeah. So, to the, so the people cheering for martial law, like, what are you, crazy? <laughs> like, we don't, want, we don't want martial law under any no. circumstances. So We do not want martial law under any circumstances. We, we came damn close with 9-11. Now, we didn't exactly go under martial law, but everything did go under federal lockdown like nobody's business for a couple of days. Right. No flights, none of I this, think part of the, the reason it didn't – I, I was working. Yeah. I was mm-hmm. working that night. Uh, I was in security. I was working for uh, Comcast. At the time, it was AT&T. And um, all of us, it, it, it wasn't my night on. It was my night off. But all of us were called in. So we had the entire fucking company there that night. You know, we had like three of us at every door. And we were checking every bag. And, and it wasn't that we were actually making things any safer, and we knew that. It was cosmetic. We were there to, to make everybody feel more comfortable. That's really what it came down to. Uh, and it, it did actually help, I think, oddly enough. I mean, we, we put on our game phases, and we did everything we needed to do. But that we did come kind of close to martial law there for a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. Well, the funny thing was it probably could have been worse, but everybody was, like, so freaked out that uh, they probably surprised the – powers that be, if you will, because everybody, from what I can remember after 9-11, like, people didn't freak out and start shooting each other and everything. Everybody sort of was just like, hey, man, you know, what are we arguing about? <laughs> so it was like people yeah. were all, all on the same page. It was a great unifying thing. So God forbid we don't want yeah. another one of those either, unfortunately. So Unless it's aliens. Yeah, I've we'll held my aliens. breath many times over the years. <laughs> I just keep waiting. It's like, what are you guys going to pull from other shit stunt like this? Uh, yeah, I, I hold my breath on all of that. Yeah, those seem like generational things anyway, where it's like, you know, if another one happens, it won't be like, well, given the pace of the world nowadays, shit could happen tomorrow, it wouldn't surprise me. Uh, you know, yeah, any world's day. a crazy place. This stuff could happen any day. Uh, um, some people might remember... Oh, well, go ahead. Go ahead. It's not important. No, no, go ahead. I was going to hop to a different question, but we got a run here going, so let's keep talking. Yeah. People might remember what. Well, I was going to call this just as an example. Uh, some of you may remember Clinton was in office at the time. I don't remember exactly what year it was. There was a passenger airliner that went down off the East Coast. Uh, theoretically, one of its engines blew up or fell off. It was always kind of a confused and conflicting story. But all the best eyewitness reports saw a SAM missile being fired at that plane. Uh, surface-to-air missile went, shoo, hit the plane, and down it came. All right, well, that's all swept under the rug, and oh, no, it was a malfunction. Something went wrong, blah, great tragedy, but uh, nothing to see here, folks. Everyone just go home. Move it along, move it along. Okay, I'm not stupid. Someone fired a fucking SAM missile at that plane. Uh, I don't think it was just some random terrorist, so... As a what if, we take this just as an exercise, a philosophical exercise, because I'm not saying that this is the case, but 9-11 happened not too long after that. This was a passenger airliner. Put yourself in the president's shoes and in the administration's shoes, and let's say that that was a plane that was going to be flying into a building and going boom. Uh, the powers that be figure this out relatively quickly, and they have a narrow window in which to operate. That's where you go to the president, whoever he may be. Uh, it's gonna, someone in the Joint Chiefs is going to be on top of this, some general, some admiral, I promise you. 
and they're going to be on the phone to the president in no time flat. And they're going to say, look, this is our situation. We have a lot of innocent people up there. We got a big fucking bomb on that plane, and we are, we are 100% certain of that. The plane has been taken over. Uh, we are not sure exactly what its destination is, but it appears to be headed toward X buildings, you know, X official buildings. If it hits, if we are right, and if it hits, the fatalities will be, and we can estimate this for you, we need a judgment call. We cannot stop that plane. Do we shoot it down? Someone's got to make that call. And whoever, the general, the admiral, the joint chiefs, whoever has got to make that, they're going to throw that right on the, pl- the president's plate. And they will abide by whatever decision goes. But this is the kind of decision that presidents and guys like the Joint Chiefs have to make on a regular basis. We don't know how many times something like this has happened. And whatever decision they make, a lot of people are going to die either way. And they're going to have to live with that for the rest of their life. So what call do you make? I offer this just as a philosophical question, something to think about. This is why I cut any president, even presidents I personally do not like at all. I always cut them a certain amount of slack because they are the guys that have to make those decisions. And like I said, they have to live with them. There is a reason that every president who ever goes into office comes out looking so much older than they did when they went in. And that's even if they were there just for just four years. Look at Jimmy Carter, for God's sake. All of them. That's why. This kind of stuff goes on. We don't hear about time it. travel. And if some of it does spill, if it does spill into public view, it is swept under the rug. Yeah, well, you terrified me now because I don't want to think of Donald Trump having to make these kind of decisions. He doesn't seem like someone who's good at spur of the moment decisions. But we'll uh, leave it at that. No, Let's go but to the next question. in the same breath. Oh. But yeah, go ahead. Mm. Go ahead. No, no, no. I was, I was just going to say. In, I was, well, in, in the yeah. same breath, I have to say this. I'm not a Trump supporter, okay? And I'm not actually a detractor either, but I'm not a Trump supporter. I'm a Democrat, for God's sake. And, you know, he's a lockstep Republican guy. Uh, I have to bring up the whole Korea business. Uh, my friends and I all had a betting pool going on when the war with Korea was going to start. <laughs> we were seeing it in process. I live just down the street from Buckley, all right? I'm like, I don't know, less than five miles down the street from Buckley. I can drive there in no time flat. It's just due east from me. So in the run-up to all the Korean nonsense, when everyone was beating the drums on that so heavy, we were watching a regular parade of planes flying into Buckley from Wyoming. They were coming from, um, I can't remember the name of the airbase out there. They were plainly coming from Wyoming, and they'd bank around, and they were all going down to Buckley. And it was one after another. It was all day long. Uh, They're not there to say hello. They're moving stuff. And they're moving stuff, getting ready for action. And this was right when everyone was saying, we're about to go to war with Korea. This was the big thing forever. Everyone was saying, oh, my God, this whole Korea thing is going to blow up. All of a sudden, poof, like it's gone. It just evaporates. And, and you don't hear anything about it anymore, or barely anything. It doesn't come up much. Like, what? What magic wand was waved here? Who was the president at the time this took place? Trump. Did Pence have something to do with it? Yeah, I'm sure. I'm sure a whole lot of people in the administration had something to do with it. Probably some people in Congress had something to do with it. But I do have to at least give him credit for whatever the fuck went down. It went quiet. It all went quiet. It was hot all through Obama's administration. And Obama, in fact, warned Trump when he was going in. He said, this is going to be the hottest thing on your plate. This is the biggest thing you're going to have to deal with. And lo and behold, it seems to have just dried up and blown away. I don't know how. 
But whatever they did, they did something. And it dried up and blew away, at least for a while. Yeah, that's all I'll say is just uh, let, we'll let history judge how it all unfolds because uh, I don't trust the North Koreans one iota, and I wouldn't be surprised <laughs> if they were like just put on put, you know just put on a friendly face, act you know, lavish this guy with praise, then just go back and just do whatever you want to do. And since you since you guys shook hands and he looked like a great diplomat, he's just going to look the other way, you know. Seems to me the attitude, our attitude now is we're just going to look the other way. So it's like, all right, dude, we're going to look the other way, but this guy's like a lunatic and he'll, you know, next thing you know, next time we look, it's going to be like, oh, wait, now he has like tons of nuclear bombs because we didn't, you know. So like I said, I'll let, (laughs) I'll let history, you know, if 10 years from now we're sitting around and we're like, what's that? The situation is not gone. Uh, North Korea is still North Korea, but. The heat is off, right. at least for the moment, at least for the moment, which is unusual. I mean, it's been like, you know, over a year. It's like going on two years or something. It's been pretty quiet. Uh, I'm just surprised. They keep looking for news about Korea, and it's not popping up, at least not yeah. now. Um, exactly, yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, we're safe right now, so we should appreciate the, the time we have. You know, that's the whole point of Thanksgiving, folks. Appreciate the time you have. Uh, and that's the point of Rucksgiving, too. Appreciate your yeah. loved ones. Appreciate the fact that no one is shooting them down out of an airplane right now. Exactly. We're not glowing from a nuclear bomb. Uh, T. Erickson wants to know, uh, and God bless him, This is these are the kind of questions we're looking for. Any new finds in Egypt over the last year? I am unaware. Uh, if there are, I have not heard about that. Now, mind you, I haven't done quite as much research as I should have done over the last several months, uh, but I should look into that. I haven't heard anything. And I've got a circle of friends. If, if something comes up about Egypt, they'll send me something, and then I'll look into it. Yeah. So, no, I haven't actually heard anything at all. I can answer slightly uh, T. Erickson's question because I do cover this a lot uh, with my job. It's My understanding is like the big hullabaloo – I think like last time you and I talked, but it even stretches back beyond that, was like that they did a scan, they found some chambers, and then uh, they did a second scan, and it was like inconclusive, so they did a, a third scan that was this year. They did, I think it was this year. Yeah, it had to have been since like November now. They did a third scan, and uh, this time it was like no chambers. So that was like, it was the third one was like the tiebreaker uh, in the minds of the Egyptian authorities who would have to like do anything further. You know, because the hard thing is, like, even if they, you know, they're in a real bind where it's like they scan this thing, you know, they even if they saw, like, a UFO in the middle, it's like you'd have to dismantle the pyramid to get the UFO out. And it's like, well, there's really no way we can, (laughs) there's no way we can hide that, guys. Like, we can't just make, we can't just dismantle the Great Pyramid because there's a UFO inside. So it's like we're really in a real bind here. (laughs) <laughs> so, you know. Let me tell you how that reads to me. This is this is what I get from that. Mm-hmm. We got conflicting reports. The last report is the one that just says nothing to see here, folks. Move it along. No circuits in town. That's to shut it right. all up. That's to sweep it under the rug and keep it quiet. If there was that much concern that there were probably chambers there, then they probably found chambers there. But we come up with a third test to say no, there are no chambers there. It's 
the, the joke from Dinosaurs, the last episode of Dinosaurs on Disney, which is a very funny show. Um, yeah, the last episode's like there's a, a new right. Well, the newscaster on the show, uh, he's out on TV and he says, "The comet is about to hit the Earth. All life upon it will be extinguished in a permanent ice age." You see this little hand slip a piece of paper up to him. He picks it up. This just in, no, it isn't. <laughs> That's exactly what this is. <laughs> See, we don't want to panic anyone. We don't want to get anybody excited. Just shut it up. Say, oops, yeah. we were wrong. Nothing here. Move it along. No, there's probably something there. But put yourself in the shoes of the Egyptian government. Now, tourism is their only industry, right? Uh, what are you going to have? A team dismantling the pyramid? I mean, blasting into it from all sides to try to get to these chambers and shutting down their biggest tourist attraction? No. So if well, there is probably something like there, then there are nothing in there. You know, I mean, the scan yeah, may be good enough to know there's in nothing there anyway. in there. It's probably hollow. It's probably empty. All the other chambers we found in the pyramid were, and the pyramid was sealed when when people went in and didn't find anything. In it. So yeah, the odds are are excellent that there's nothing in those chambers if those chambers are there. Um, so, yeah, of course the Egyptian government's going to want that shut down. And of course, they're just going to put out that. They're going to get their experts right. or hire a team of experts to say, put a lid on this. And they will. They'll just lie if they have to. Right, right. What's your Thanksgiving song? Uh, no, 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 Pass. no. The cranberry sauce. We're having mashed potatoes. Oh, the turkey looks great. Len. Thank you for loving me. Len. Thank you for being there. Oh, God. Everyone's thanking. Len. The whole world's thanking you. Stop. Thanking Len. us for thanking Stop. you. You're listening to Banal of America Audio. Pass. Oh. The cranberry sauce. We're having mashed potatoes. Oh, the turkey looks great. Thank you for loving me. Len. Thank you for being there. Please. Thank you for loving me. Everyone's thanking. The whole Len. world's thanking you. Thanking Stop. us for thanking you. Now, what do you... My voice cracked like I was 13. What do you... What do you... Uh, <laughs> what do you think of uh, the Sphinx? Because... I never I learned something new in the last like year that I did never I never knew which is that um like when they first found the sphinx um and I'll probably butcher this history so forgive me but it, like I went down one of those wikipedia holes where you read you know you click on one thing and the next thing you know you're like digging deeper and deeper until you're like getting into obscure news stories about the sphinx but my understanding is like they discovered it like the Europeans or whatever eventually discovered it and then dug, and it was covered up in sand like almost you know halfway up the face or so up to its neck they thought it was and ahead. yeah right right and they dug it all out and then inside they found at the base like where the paws are or whatever they found this is like the most fascinating thing in the world to me um because I'll, I'll explain why after I finish this part but uh they found like You're a monument or whatever Mm-hmm. Right. That it said that said essentially I did what you guys have just done. That like I came here, I found yep. this, it was buried, I dug it out. My name is Billy Billy Bob from Bismarck. Um, you know, it enjoy was, this was amazing thing. Things. Right. Yeah, and then the I got covered up in sand again, right? Mm-hmm. Yep. So I guess what Because if you don't regularly excavate it, it will fill in. Well, that's what I'm. That's kind of the thing I was going to say. Like, 
What fascinates me is barring like some epic disaster where like we somehow lose the pyramid or the Sphinx somehow, like there will probably be a time in the future when it gets covered up again. And the whole and the process will repeat itself like someone in like aliens yeah. or whatever will will come to our planet, like the face on Mars, will like come to our planet, find this head and be like, let's dig this out. And then they'll, they'll and there they'll find like the gift shop from now, like next to the dude's thing, <laughs> next to Billy Bob's thing from ancient times. Like it yeah. keeps repeating itself. That's that's just to me that just blows my mind. I don't know like why. It's just really well, I can take, it's I can kinda take that cool. Like this thing stands the test of time. Yeah. Yep. I'll take that a step further for you. You're familiar with Gobekli Tepe, the um, Turkish Stonehenge, if you will. Uh, yeah, that yeah. dates to, uh, what, like 11,000 B.C., that neck of the woods, which is, it dates to approximately that time, or actually the exact time, that those of us in the alternative Egyptian community believe that the pyramids were actually built and the entire Giza complex is right in that exact same time period. So the Sphinx naturally gets buried where it's located. If you don't that area clear, it gets buried. I mean, nature will do it for you. No one has to do it. Gobekli Tepe was buried. Someone built it, and when they were done with it, they buried it. It was discovered and dug out, and it's been there that long. So they did bury it. That's just one to uh, toss onto that mix. That's right. Do we know for sure they did, or what could have been buried like in a natural disaster or something? It, to all appearances, no one can figure out any kind of natural disaster that would have caused that. It just looks like somebody purposely buried it. Yeah. Well, Jim Vujovic suggests regarding the Sphinx that maybe it was made uh, in a time when the area wasn't a desert, so they didn't anticipate uh, – we didn't anticipate maybe that the Sphinx I'm, I'm would on, get buried by sand, but who knows. I'm on the same page with that. It, was, it, would have been, it would have been in the pluvial period. If it goes back to like 10,500, 11,000 B.C., that was yeah. the pluvial period when there would have been jungle there. Yeah, I agree, and I'm, I'm on the same page. Yeah, I think of all the of all these things, even the the one you're talking about and the Mayan pyramids. I feel like I, to me, I think the Sphinx just resonates the most because it's like it's uh, it's just a ama- like an amazing. It's like a face, man. It's a face. It's not like a it's not like a Stonehengean structure that's like oh this is cool. It's kind of like maybe some kind of encoded ring of things. It's just like this is there's no you know it's a face, man. It's like there's no debate yeah. and it's really well crafted you know it's not like some like a cave painting it's like an amazingly well crafted giant head you've seen it in person that's like one of the one things i really that's oh, like yeah. a bucket list thing for me like i want to i want to be able to see it in person because it's just something about it just resonates with me it's pretty damn cool i agree <laughs> yeah it's iconic for a reason it does stand out um yeah, what's amazing about the Sphinx, too, the, the face that we see on it, that's not its original head. The head is like half the size of the body. The proportions are all wrong. And you can see where it was resculpted. So we don't know what it originally yeah. looked like, but at some point in its existence, the Egyptians resculpted it. Now, the nose is missing because Napoleon's men shot it off with a cannon. Just boom. Right, right. <laughs> and it had like a chin thing, too, right, that like broke off... Uh... Oh, you know, the chin beard. I think yeah, we... the chin beard is in the yeah. The original chin beard is in the um, the Louvre, I believe, or also the British Museum. It's one of the two. 
they have a yeah. replica of the chin beard in the Cairo Museum. Did you hear this thing that they're changing the uh, capital of Egypt? What do they want to change it to? Luxor? I heard they're building a new capital. I'm going to Google this while I'm talking to you because I saw yeah, I, I saw this the other day, and it was mm-hmm. like – it blew my mind because it was like, first of all, why have I not heard about this? And second, um, you know, what, what, is, what is this? Uh, okay. All right. Well, they could Large rebuild Alexandria. Yeah, that wouldn't be a bad idea. Well, they could. It says the proposed new capital – I'm on Wikipedia, so forgive me, folks. Uh, the proposed new capital of Egypt is a large-scale project announced by Egyptian housing minister Mostafa Madbouli at the Egypt Economic Development Conference on the 13th of March, 2015. So this is recent. Uh, and it says the as-yet unnamed city – so it could be Alexandria uh, – is to be located 30 miles east of Cairo um, – According to the plan, the city would become the new administrative financial cap. Yeah, financial yep, capital of Egypt, housing. Yeah. That, so. That's actually an excellent idea. That's an idea whose time is overdue. Alexandria is just a big sprawling slum now. There's nothing there. None of the glory that was Alexandria in in history exists anymore. It's just gone. Uh, so yeah. they, they might as well rebuild it. It's just a sprawling slum right now. That's a brilliant yeah, idea. Yeah, so apparently... Be. That's the uh, yeah. It sounds like it's a, it's happening. It sounds like they're really doing this. So um, you know, uh, it doesn't say when. Yeah, it doesn't say when it's going to supposed to start or anything. So, but uh, we've got my support. Yeah. It'd be fantastic for the economy. Um, it could it'd become a, it could become a new tourist attraction. That would be fantastic. It's a cool idea. I'd actually, I'd actually be in favor of that for a lot of, because it says part of the reason to do it is because uh, Cairo is too congested. So it's like, oh, I'd, boy, I'd be, is it? yeah, I'd be all in favor of like building new, building new capitals for like all kinds of <laughs> countries, like in the middle of nowhere, where it's like, all right, we're going to take all the administrative stuff and move it to this new city we made in England, you know, or something. That way, yeah. half of the you know, Seriously, or a third of the people a, can leave. Fantastic London. idea! I'm surprised no one. I'm surprised nobody proposed that before. It's a brilliant idea. Well, that's the first. Yeah, I heard about it the other day because it was in the news, um, and it was like, "What is this?" We're so apparently they're serious about it. If you know, if the if the government's announced it and everything, so it'll be interesting to see oh, how yeah. that they got my vote. Unfolds. Not that they give a shit, but yeah. they got my vote. Okay, now we got one guy left. We've kicked him to the end. Oh, I guess I'll ask you this, Jim Vujovic's question uh, from the chat room. Um, I don't think you really will know about this story because it happened like this summer and it was kind of like a one-week-long story. But do you know anything about – have you heard any – or do you have thoughts about the solar observatory that they closed for like two days and then – or like they closed for like a week and then opened up? Like a whole bunch of conspiracies (laughs) sprung up about it, but it turned out the guy was just – no, let, let's play the fire under that. The solar observatory that they shut down? No, there were several solar observatories that shut down at the exact same time around the world. Uh, I think there was one in Australia. There was one in uh, what was it, Sweden, Norway, somewhere in Scandinavia, I think. I don't remember how many of them there were. I think there were four. Uh, but they all shut down at the same time. Why? That's a really good question. I couldn't tell you that. Now, there was this bogus story that was put out that uh, – 
federal law enforcement agencies have shut down our particular observatory because some janitor had been surfing porn on the web. (laughs) Come on, man. (laughs) This is the stupidest thing I've ever heard. Uh, that's a very simple matter to clear up, and that kind of thing probably happens every now and then, but it would never make the news, and you wouldn't shut anything down on account of it. So, no, that doesn't, that's a completely bogus story. That's just pure shit. Uh, why would these four or six observatories, I think it was four, why would they all shut down at the exact same time? That makes no sense at all. And it was like a big deal for all four of them. Uh, I have no idea what the hell that was about. But certainly it's extremely interesting. All right. I guess you did know something. Well, you had heard of it. Um, I don't know. I put more stock in the story, the FBI story, than you probably do, because I dug into the details a little more and uh, heard it from a source before it got out into the public that it was like there was some kind of porn thing mixed up. I mean, the main story is that the guy, um, since we don't know, his, since I don't know his name or anything, so I guess we don't have to worry about. It, but like the guy was like looking at like not just porn, but like uh, you know the bad Pretty porn. porn. Uh, yeah, and yeah, uh, and 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 so, uh, and and somehow like it was on like his computer that he left at the place, and then like the FBI came and took it from the place because uh, you know they were tracking whatever this guy was doing, and then you know he came to work and, and he was like, uh, hey, what? Yeah, and he was like, hey, what happened to my laptop? And they were like, oh, we don't know, Billy Bob, we don't know what happened to the laptop, and uh, and then he was like getting increasingly. And by the way, you're under like, no, no, because, like, the FBI wasn't ready. You know, it was, like, ongoing or whatever. So the FBI, they were probably trying to find out who Billy Ball was sharing shit with. So uh, this went on for, like, maybe a week or ten days. And the guy, as one can imagine, got increasingly agitated that he could not find his laptop full of kitty porn and was like, something's going on here. Uh, you know, you you people are, you know, he was losing his shit, essentially. And I guess it rose to yeah. the level of, like, making threats. Um, so then the FBI, then, then the people that worked there were like, Hey, you know what? You know how you came and took Billy Bob's laptop? Well, now he's talking about shooting a whole bunch of people. So fuck you. We're out of here. Come get this guy or come do something or whatever. And they all pretty much like, you know, and then the FBI swooped in and took Billy Bob away. That's the, that's okay, the, that much, that's the, like the basic, that story. much I can buy that much I can buy. So these other three observatories in other countries, they closed on the same days just out of sympathy for the problem at this particular observatory? No, no, I have no idea. I can't I can't speak to that aspect of the theory, so or the story. Yeah, I don't there may have Violent. been some kitty porn thing going on and there may have been something and there may have been a threat. Then the FBI would respond exactly that way. But that doesn't explain the other three observatories. Right, right. I, like I said, I, I kind of vaguely heard about that, but I heard that wasn't the case. But I, maybe I need to look further into it. Um, I heard that there was some confusion about that part of the story. But like I said, I I confess to checking out once it, once it turned into a kitty born story. And I was like, you know what, I'm out. I, I don't really need to know much more about why they shut down this observatory. So, all well, right. You know, that's kind of the point. It, 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 that is, I heard someone say it this way, that's just so toxic, uh, uh, a conversation piece, that everyone just automatically looks the other way. They don't want to know anything. Right, exactly. Say, okay, yeah, that's yeah. enough for me. Yeah. It's like, who wants to even, yeah. I, yeah, Digger Dog in the chat, this was the one that really piqued my interest at the time, was that 
the observatory actually overlooks um, overlooks White Sands and I think uh, another base because um, it's high up because it's an observatory. And uh, the theory going around before the kitty porn thing came out was that some you know rogue nation had put uh, you know had had somehow like gotten something on the high level antennas that could like that they'd be able to look into the other into the bases. You know what I'm saying? I wouldn't rule that out. Uh, if you can yeah, find that one of the other observatories, the that being a sort of a ring or relay station, then yeah, I wouldn't necessarily rule that out. That's something that could be looked into. Yeah. Um, and who knows? Maybe if that was the case, right? If the if if that was actually what was happening, the espionage angle then that might explain why other ones would have shut down where they were like, oh, you know, here in the Netherlands, we better check, you know, we're going to shut down for a week to make sure we don't have any spy cameras on our antennas. Because um, yeah, who knows? They let all, you know, they let that guy in, you know, they let the guy in to do the repair, and it turns out he's, you know, he's with Chechnya or something. So. Yeah, that I could buy. That's, anything, that's a yeah. possibility. Look at that. We just broke down this, this solar observatory thing, and this, this all came from a question that I mocked in the chat from Jim Vujovich, so I apologize. Yeah. I mean, I don't know that that is the case. That's something that could be investigated. No, we wouldn't find the answer. <laughs> but it exactly. is something that could be yeah. looked into, and yeah, that's that's sufficiently plausible that I could accept that as a, a possible explanation. Yeah. It's Ruck's giving... Uh, it's, it's perfect Ruck's giving fodder uh, speculation, so... Um, yeah. All right. Well, we got 15. You're going to be able to go past the hour, right? Sure. Okay. That's what I figured, but I wanted to make sure. I don't want to be rude. All right. Well, we got David's questions. He has three, so I'm thinking maybe we'll hold those till we get past the hour, and we'll just chat a little bit for the live, because the live folks will all lose us, and I don't want to cheat them out of, uh, you know, some fun hijinks. So yeah. what do you yeah. – what uh, – Somebody at well, somebody Jim again in the chat. I shouldn't mock him because he just came up with that great solar observatory question. So, but yet I still yet yeah. That I was must. a good question, by the way. Thank you, Jim. That was a good question. Yeah, good job, Jim. I wrote him off when he when he when he asked it in the chat. I was like, Jim, get the hell out of here. That story doesn't even a big enough story to 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 bother Bruce with. But I was wrong, and Jim was right, and he just dropped a boom on me in the chat, deservedly so. Um. But Jim did ask, "What are you? What are you? Uh, what are you drinking for the special? What, what do you got in your mug tonight uh, for Ruxgiving 2018?" I have in my hand. I'm looking at it right now. A nice cold Guinness Extra Stout that I am not quite halfway through. I swear every year that I'm going to get drunk on the show just to drive the FCC crazy, if nothing else. But I never. We're not even. <laughs> We're not even regulated. I what are you talking can't. about, dude? <laughs> well, yeah, but it, it's fun to say. It's fun to think. Yeah. Um, yeah, it would just be fun. I'd like to do it just because it, it would be funny, if nothing else. Uh, it would certainly make the conversation more interesting. But, uh, yeah, I'm only not quite halfway through my Guinness Extra Stout because I just talk too much. But I'm going to take a swig right now. There you go. There you go. Now nah, mm. you're doing great, dude. We're having fun. Uh, I may have plugged this one last year, but this year uh, – I'm I'm uh I'm snacking on Mad Elf, uh, which is from Trogues. And it's a once a year batch. 
And it says, ale brewed with honey and cherries. It's good, but it's really incredibly strong. It's 11%. So I've only had like one of these tonight. And uh, I'm soon going to be feeling the other one I just opened. And uh, Sounds good. Yeah, it's, yeah it's, it's, it's very flavorful, very spicy, incredibly it's, – it's kind of what I don't like in a sense where it's like if they just – if they just tipped it back a little from the, it doesn't need to be 11. <laughs> like it's like spinal. You don't need to go to 11, man. Just if they had stopped at eight, it might be better. Cause you get sort of the aftertaste of just like, just like a pure alcohol aftertaste. We are like, Oh geez, man. Come on. Yeah. I gotcha. The most of the beers that I drink, I actually have like two or three standbys. Uh, one of my favorites, unfortunately is a seasonal beer. It's new Belgium. It's a black lager called 1554. And unfortunately, it just went out of season. It is such good stuff. I was going to be drinking that tonight. I've got one sitting in my fridge that I'm hanging on to. There uh, you go. But I usually will drink Claymore Ales from Great Divide. Uh, that's a very strong one. That's mm, probably about 11%, maybe 11.5%. Uh, they make a stronger one called the Yeti, which is a stout. But oddly, the Yeti doesn't kick me quite the way the Claymore does. Uh, the Claymore whops you upside the head, just like it, its name implies. That thing you got to drink slow. And I never yeah, drink yeah. one of those if I'm planning on driving anywhere in the next two hours. i got to have a good two hours to make sure <laughs> I'm completely sobered up. Nice, and it yeah, tastes, yeah. God, those things are so good. Uh, it's a scotch ale, and what that means is that the beer is aged in a scotch ale. I mean, in a scotch cask. So it's got a slight mm. little peaty aftertaste to it, which is much more delicious than you'd think it is. It's just a very, very slightly sweet, just barely. And it's got a delicious aftertaste. Really good stuff, but very strong. And it will dehydrate yeah. you. You want to have some water along with it. But, yeah, most good of my beers, they're, they're usually about 11% of that neck of the woods. The Guinness Extra Stout's actually light compared to those. Yeah, I generally hang between like a 6 and an 8 because I don't want to. I drink fast, so I don't like to have anything that's... Uh... Too strong. Jim's asking if we've ever had rogue beers from. (laughs) He wants to know if we've had rogue beers from Oregon. I'm sure I've had rogue beers, but I don't. I'd need to like see the label or something. Is there like a skeleton on it? I think there's a skeleton on uh, rogue beers. Uh, I know the skeleton is on. uh, There's a there's a company called Ballast Point that has the skeletons in the 18th century naval outfits. They make really good beers, by the way. They have a nice stout. Ballast Point. Yeah, we get those here a lot. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah are, he says it's dead, dead Guy Ale. Dead Guy Ale is the rogue <laughs> one. Yeah, I've had that. It's pretty good. I like the name. Yeah. Rogue Red. Yeah, I've had Rogue Red, too. Yeah, we have that around here. Um, there's a brewery in my – well, not in my town, next to my town. Uh, Lord Hobo. It's gotten really big, so I have kind of like an affinity for that. Uh, anyone who's ever seen my – any of my pictures essentially on Facebook where I'm wearing my knit cap, I have the Lord Hobo logo on there. That's kind of represent them. Uh, so that's kind of my other beer of choice. If I'm, uh, you know, if I, if I'm just getting what I w- would like to get, although I got something today that's worth talking about is the, this thing called Hopsy. I haven't opened it yet. Um, it's like a Keurig, but for beer. Huh. And you, yeah, it's cool. Yeah, I never heard of it either. I just saw a thing on it, uh, an article on it, like a couple of weeks ago. And I, I love my Keurig and I love beer, 
And the deal is like that they have deals with all these different breweries, um, sort of in regions, like I'm in the Northeast region. So, um, and like every month you sign up for like the plan or whatever. And then every month they send you four of these mini kegs, which are like six pack beers each or four pints. Oh, that's great. Um, I used to belong yeah, to one of those. We used to have beer clubs out here breweries. Uh, that were honored at, at several different outlets. I used to belong to those when I was in college. And the idea was to punch every hole in your cart. Uh, they wanted you to sample yeah. every single beer. And, yeah, yeah, we went through those cards and had a good time. That was where I kind of first developed my taste for beer, really. Um, yeah, so it'll be cool. I'll be interested to see. It came in the mail the other day. so or Today, actually. It came in the mail today. So I have to unbox it and set it up and everything. But it'll be interesting to see... Oh. It'll be interesting to see how it how it holds up and everything. Oh yeah, go for it. I wish I had one of those here. I plan to. I haven't seen one of those in a long time. Um, yeah, when was the last time I saw one of those? It's probably when I was in college. But yeah, I drank a lot of beer doing that. Really enjoyed it too. Wait a minute, what did they send you? If this was they a year in college, it. what were you getting? It certainly wasn't the Keurig of beers. No, uh, this was. It was a wide variety. It was pretty much every kind of beer there was. Uh, and it, there were several outlets that honored these cards uh, because they carried all of these beers. And, you know, you had foreign beers, you had domestic beers, you had all kinds of beers. And you bought the card. I don't remember how much the card was, but it was very reasonably priced, all things considered. And whenever you were at one of these outlets, uh, one of these particular bars, you just presented your card, and they would punch it and give you a drink. Uh, you could have X number of them per time that you were at a bar so that, you know, you'd end up buying something. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, it was just a sampler card. And you could you could drink every kind of beer there was. Every beer that was available, boom, you can get it. They'll have it for you. Interesting. Yeah, well, this thing, they sent like little mini silver kegs. So it's cool. I don't know. I was going to hold off on opening it till like, uh, until Christmas, but you, you got to crack them open within 30 days. So uh, with Thanksgiving in two days, I figured I might as well just open it then and enjoy it uh, over the long weekend. So we'll see how it is. You should get on Twitter. It's fun. I might one of these days. I just I tend to stay off social media because I'm, I'm leery of it. <laughs> I, just I don't blame crap you. About social I, media. I don't blame you. I find Twitter is a lot less personal. Like, Facebook is like you're connected with all your friends and family, and they can tag you on pictures, and they – it's very intrusive, I find. But with Twitter, it's very impersonal. So you can just kind of go on there and, and post what you want to post and like what you want to like and get out. And it's not like people are roping you into shit. With Facebook, you're always, it feels like you're always getting roped into shit where people tag you on things and – you know, they're like, what do you think of this at all? Like and then me. Tag you know, that you like, like me. Yeah. Why don't you like me? Right, right. <laughs> See, I don't even know yeah, you. Yeah, I should mention. I don't I, know who you are. I, I, I get no money from this. I probably could if I had a chance, but uh, I'm an honest broker, folks. So, uh, Hopsy, if you're interested in this thing, they have a, they have a huge sale. Because uh, I think I got like $220 worth of shit for uh, like 85 bucks. Because when you do that, you sign up for the $60 a month beer club. So that's the hook. That's the trick. They're like, they're willing to eat 
the 140 bucks today in the hopes that you just won't get off of the beer club and once you pass like two months they've made the money back so um and yeah, if, if i was smart if, if if i was a smart businessman i would have you know worked in the referral system they have on the website and actually gotten like a year's worth of free beer from people signing up but i i have no <laughs> i have no referral i'm a terrible businessman uh but i am an honest broker so um you know, if you if you want to try the Hofsey thing, now is probably the best time to do it because uh, they can. If you don't like it, you can cancel the subscription. I assume. If, you know, don't quote me on that. I'll be very pissed if I don't like it in two months. I'm like, yeah, I don't want the sixty. <laughs> I don't want to spend sixty dollars a month. Sorry, on these, sorry. These terribly sorry, I got you mixed up in all this. My mistake, my bad. Terribly sorry. Yeah, yeah. Next thing you know, we're all part of like this vast, uh, this vast Hopsey pyramid scheme. Um. Yeah, well, we can we can talk about our adventures, and we'll get to the last uh, batch of questions here from uh, from David uh, when we go off the air. We got about four minutes. I want to thank the live listeners. Um, if you're if you're listening live and you came in, you know, late, uh, I covered all the in-house notes for Banal of America in the first ten minutes of the show. So um, yeah, we covered all that there, and uh, you'll be hearing from me. Uh, and I think I may have a show for you next week, to be honest with you. I'm working out the details now. Um, i got to just, like, lock these guys in. They all said they'd do it. Um, and then in two weeks, we're going to have uh, Joshua Cutchin, Red Pill Junkie, and probably a bunch of other guests on for uh, a Paramania Christmas. And we'll probably, hopefully, fingers crossed, have Stan on uh, for, for the holiday special and uh, Greg Bishop uh, for the year in review. So that's pretty much where we're at. And for the people who are looking for your stuff, you you're still kind of like under the radar, which uh, which I kind of like because like now you and I are both even even though I'm on national radio every Friday night, I don't talk about it. Um, so you and I are like to so the people that love, that are used to listening to us, we we we're just like vanish and come back next November essentially. Yeah, like I say it every year. This is the one time a year anybody even knows who I am. Where someone will tune in and say, who's this guy? Why should I give a shit about this guy? But at least someone knows who I am for one day a year. That's why it's Ruck's Giving, dude. People love this show, I'm telling you. And and as I bitched about at the beginning of the show, they they say they love the show, but I have my doubts if they're they're actually listening sometimes. But uh, (laughs) I do know there are a lot of people to whom this is like – this is a real – (laughs) <laughs> this is a real thing, man. Like people genuinely, and I have heard from people that you know say this that you know they're listening to us right now on, or you know, in the kitchen, uh, you know, making Thanksgiving dinner, or they're um, you know driving to Grandma's house and they're listening to Ruck's Giving. We're a part of their their holiday season, like that awesome uh, that that awesome uh, Arlo Guthrie song. You know that song, the Which Thanksgiving one? one, the Thanksgiving one. I'm sure I do. If I heard it, I'd be saying, oh, that. Yeah. I'll but Google it. Off the top of my head, no. If it's on Alice's Restaurant, <laughs> I know it because I love Alice's Restaurant. It is Alice's Restaurant. Yeah, yeah. It, it, Alice's Restaurant. Oh, yeah, okay. See? A Thanksgiving misadventure. See, it's it's big up here because yeah. it took place in Western Mass. <laughs> and so on Thanksgiving, like every – it's a huge, it's a super long song. I think it's like 15 minutes at least. And It's the whole side of the album. One side of the album right. is Alice's Restaurant. 
And every Thanksgiving they play it like I want to say like every hour uh, on you know every hour on the hour every like two hours they play Alice's Restaurant like from beginning to end uh, up here. So it's 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 an iconic part of the holiday, and that's what Rocksgiving is for all the people who are you know who are listening now and who have listened tonight during the show and who will be listening next year for Rocksgiving 2019. Now we're going to keep going, Bruce. Don't hang up the phone. But, uh, you know, thank you to all the live listeners and, uh, you know, those folks who are losing right now. Grab the MP3 and you can get the rest of the conversation there. Uh, that will be on the podcast. Glad you were all here. And app in all of America tomorrow. Glad you were all here. Look forward to you next year. Have a nice Thanksgiving. Excelsior. What Excelsior. do you think of Stan Lee dying? Is that sad or what? I mean, it was inevitable. It was going to happen. He was a very old man. He was the same age my mom was when she died. Uh, he was a little bit healthier right, than I, she was. Not much, but a little. Yeah, it's funny in a sense because, like, he died, and then it was uh, it was like, oh, no, he died. Uh, but then it was like he saw the thing, and it was like, oh, wait, he was 95? So it was interesting in that sense. He was to me, that's how I – right. So that's, like, how I reacted where I was like – Oh, no, Stan Lee died, and then I was like, oh, I thought he was like 75, <laughs> you know, so no, he was then it was very, like, oh, wow. Very spry, he was a very spry 96-year-old. I, I hope, if I live that long, that I'm as spry as he is, or he, as he was. Yeah, he was a, uh, a hell of a I, guy. He did just an amazing amount of work for pop culture. Uh, pop culture was a, a debt to him like nobody's business, and God knows he brought a lot of delight to a lot of people. And, uh, you know, God rest him. Yeah, I mean, I always call Bob Dylan the American Shakespeare, but in a sense, I think it may fit even better with uh, Stan Lee just because he created so many iconic characters. Like, I mean, you know, like 100 years from now, people, I mean, I guess we won't know, but people may, may be talking about Batman. Oh, he didn't make Batman, right? But <laughs> Spider-Man or whatever. Well, all that uh, you know, stuff. and in, in the same way they know Romeo and Juliet. I mean, people. Yeah. Yeah, but all that Marvel stuff we were talking about. Yeah, it's pop culture. And really, Shakespeare was pop culture of his day. They didn't consider that highbrow stuff. That that was, you know, for commoners. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> this so. is pop culture. People just spoke better in those days. That's all. And certainly it's excellent poetry. Exactly. But, uh, you know, th- this is poetry of its age, sort of like rap, if you will. Uh, but it does speak to the people of the age. And all that Marvel stuff we were talking about earlier, I mean, you know, Stan Ditko and Jack Kirby and all that bunch, they, they were directly tied into all of that. But they wouldn't have been directly tied into all of that if it wasn't for Stan Lee. Uh, Stan Lee was kind of the glue that held all that together and made it work. All those years. Yeah. All those years. Really an amazing man. We, you know, the world is definitely smaller now that he's gone. All right, let's get to these last batch of questions so we can get back to goofing around. David <laughs> David McIntyre, uh, he has three questions. He wants to know, uh, does Bruce feel that we are any further toward the UFO question than when he wrote his books, which is roughly 20 years ago. People seem more hooked yeah, into paranormal and... Yeah. People seem more hooked into paranormal and esoteric TV and movies now than they did 
even five years ago, although it appears that serious debate on the subject has all but been swept aside in a bid for pure entertainment. I should have read these earlier before the Mad Elf. Um, <laughs> but that's the question. He he has very long ones that are going to be very hard for me to read. Um, but he says, okay. yeah, does Bruce feel, yeah, uh, we are further forward in the UFO question. I mean, you know, roughly 20 years? I To me, that I... I mean, look, dude, I've been in this for 15 years now, so uh, – and I'd say I'd say we're not any further forward as far as, like, knowing anything more. So, you know, We have personally. moved perpetually sideways. Let me, let me give you the history on this one. In 1960, Rear Admiral Hillencoder uh, was the first director of the CIA. In 1960, as he was retiring, he announced – uh, to Congress and made it public. He said, you know, everything that the CIA has found out about UFOs should be made public and made available to Congress so that it could be up for open debate. Uh, that was his considered opinion, and he was the first head of the CIA, uh, Roscoe Hillencoder. So how far have we come since then? It has moved laterally for, oh, God, what, like 60 years now? Um, we're sort of a little bit further, I suppose. We've had our occasional close encounters of the third kind, our 2001s. Uh, I'm not seeing a whole lot new on that horizon, really. In fact, it's kind of dried up. I've been wondering, considering how administrations influence that particular question and every other question politically, that's what my whole second book is about. I've been expecting a whole wave of Space Invader movies that haven't been showing up, and I'm a little bit surprised. Uh, not disappointed, but a little bit surprised. Uh, and I don't think we're a great deal further along the line than we were. It's, they deliberately keep it a very, very slow process. And really, nothing is going to become public disclosure until such time as the Martians land. <laughs> when they decide they want to land in Red Square and land in Washington and uh, land in Brussels and land in, in Beijing, then everyone's going to rush to the mic and say, we knew all along, uh, we were just keeping it secret, trying to keep you all safe, and trying to get it all together, and blah, blah, blah. But they're all going to be trying to claim credit. But until they, until it's disclosed from the other side, uh, there was a famous UFO researcher, a French guy, I can't remember his name now. <clears throat> he said there's a pretty bit of suffocation on the subject from both sides. It's not just that the intelligence agencies and the militaries keep them secret. The other guys are keeping it secret, too. It's a private little war. It's a private little diplomatic concern that the rest of the world is simply not made privy to, and both sides seem to like it that way. So until such time as the guys upstairs decide that they want to disclose it, we are not going to see public disclosure. Yeah. Okay, well, that's the first question. Uh, let me see. Yeah, I think we covered all Notice that. Notice just by the way it's that, that you, Tom like, really DeLong has been a flash in the pan. That's your take on the Tom DeLong thing? Yeah. Well, yeah, it'll be interesting. I mean, we talked about this. <laughs> yeah, let's jump into that and talk about that because it's like sometimes I have trouble sort of jumping off a listener question in a sense where it's like, I don't want to ask you that. I want to ask you <laughs> this. So um, I guess, yeah, so we, when we talked last year, it was – I think if we even talked about it, we kind of laughed it off. But then all this stuff happened where it was in the 
you know, got into the New York Times and they revealed there was a Pentagon UFO program. What do you think of all that? Cause let's just cut to the chase and get to that. That's the real meat of the issue. That's the real – that's the biggest news, you know, in the paranormal since the last time we talked. So what do you what do you think of these revelations that the government – I mean, it shouldn't have been news – it almost certainly really wasn't to the people like you and me who were like, uh, yeah, of course they were looking at UFOs. Why wouldn't they be? There's unidentified yeah. flying objects <laughs> flying in American airspace. That's – if they weren't looking at UFOs, they wouldn't be doing their due diligence to protect the country. So it's not a big surprise. There but to everybody else, it was like, oh, holy shit. So, I mean, oh, geez. They've been I doing guess the, for the what, big like question is, like, now? they're revealing this. That's the thing. It's like people are latching onto this as, like, okay, this is the disclosure. They're telling us that UFOs are real in a roundabout way. So I, I, guess, I guess how do you synthesize what happened last December and the revelations with what you think is going on? Okay, well, that ties directly into the question of the UFO disclosure. What kind of disclosure did we get? You get this big splash saying, all right, there's, a, there's an actual admission now that the Pentagon has had this secret project going for six or eight years, and they have picked up some stuff that they cannot identify, and we've even seen some video of it. I've heard descriptions, whole nine yards. This is actually publicly disclosed, and it's now public knowledge. And, but everyone's saying, oh, for six years we've been looking into this? I'll be damned. No, we've been looking into this for flipping ever. We were looking into this since World War II and before for crying out loud. There's a very, very long history on this. And the CIA and the NSA were formed specifically to look into that exact question. Uh, they looked into a whole lot of other things besides. But they were formed to look into that exact question and to deal with it. And like I said, Rear Admiral Hillencoder... 1960, uh, and he's publicly disclosing that he thinks the CIA should go ahead and tell Congress and tell the public everything that they've learned about UFOs and actually put it up to public debate, which has not happened. So Tom DeLong comes out, and there's this whole big splash in the media about all this nonsense. Uh, it, it gets a few people's attention for a while, and the next thing you know, it's just a big flash in the pan. I haven't heard anything about Tom DeLong in, in months now. I mean, many months. Uh, what is going on with all of that? I don't know. This is just, um, I'll think of his name in a second, uh, Stephen, who's it? Stephen Greer. Uh, Stephen Greer yeah. is doing the same thing for the Clinton administration. Uh, this is just, let's publicly disclose a few things, make a big circus out of it, and then, you know, it just blows away. <laughs> it just becomes more scenery, more background stuff. And everyone ignores it. They forget about it. So in a sense... Uh, is is that uh, a step toward disclosure? It's a very minor step toward disclosure. We at least had official government acknowledgement that, well, we had one program for six years that was looking into this, and we found some stuff that we couldn't identify. All right, well, that's a right. very minor revelation to those of us that know anything right. about the entire history of all of this. But it's a tiny step toward getting everyone who doesn't look into it to acknowledge that, yes, the government has looked into it. Um, so, yeah, baby steps. But these have been baby steps going on for 60 damned years. They just keep going. It's, it's the longest lateral progression in history of anything. Right, right. That's exactly – there are people who are, like, bullish on Tom DeLonge, and I, you know, I don't really – I don't necessarily begrudge them, but it's like – like I said, I've been doing this for 15 years. You've been in this for 20 years. It's like this thing is going at a snail's pace. And the idea that, like, it's going to all of a sudden pick up pace 
like has been sort of talked about for years. So to me, it's like all I can refer, all I can, all I can really base my opinion on, in a sense, is is what I know has happened so far, and that is that. Like, this thing is unfolding at an incredibly slow pace. So, to the people yeah. who are like... My entire life... There are people who are like, there's a tsunami coming of, you know, that this is all going to break loose soon and everything. It's like, dude, they've been saying that for 20 years. You know, I God God bless you. I hope you're correct, man. I hope there is a tsunami of, of UFO truth coming. But all I know, you know, all I can base all this on is what I've seen and what I've experienced. And what I've seen and experienced is that this is, like I said, the, the, the slowest <laughs> process you could possibly imagine. You know, I mean, I was like, it's I was like under the age of ten when I heard about this sideways. stuff. Right. It only scuttles sideways. I mean, look, when Stephen Greer was doing his thing, that was in the late nineties. Uh, that was a, a huge media circus. I mean, literally. There was this circus going on in front of Congress for like a whole week for UFO disclosure and all this. Disclosure, disclosure now, disclosure project, blah, blah, blah. What happened? Who even remembers that today? I do because I was laughing at it. (laughs) So, you know, Tom DeLong is just that 2.0 and less of a media circus, quite frankly. But he did get more actual attention. Still, this entire project, it's a crab. It just scuttles sideways. It does not move forward. Uh, it, such tiny baby steps that it, it, it's, it's just laughable. Very tiny baby. Um, okay, so next question. Uh, in a past Ruxgiving, Bruce made a comment regarding Carl Sagan being in on the know, or I assume he means in the know, in some way due to his position within the space program. Have you ever done any research with regards to seeing possible connect jeez. Have you ever done any research with regards to seeing any possible connections with more shadowy figures within the program? Sorry, I had to re I had to reread that because it wasn't wasn't written the way oh, I sure. just read it. Um yeah, so sure. yeah, other people the gist of the question is other people beyond Carl Sagan who, you know, were in the know. I mean, I, th- I think that's kind of like the whole idea behind someone like a Philip Class who they they think uh yeah, you know, was was a double agent essentially like debunking and also you know. Oh, absolutely. Also like maybe yeah, covering today, it up in the background. Yeah, today that's Neil deGrasse Tyson. Uh, Neil deGrasse Tyson is the friendlier face of Carl Sagan. He's a little more accessible. Sagan always talked down his nose at everybody. Uh, I think he genuinely wanted to educate people for the most part, and he was a, he was a genuine scientist. He was perfectly legitimate. But uh, he, as far as UFO stuff goes, he's definitely going to poo-poo you out later down the line. But he's talking out both sides of his mouth. There are numerous instances where he would say, yeah, me too. <laughs> There were numerous instances where he would say, oh, well, you know, extraordinary claims require extraordinary evidence, and and he's ignoring all the evidence that's there, Uh, where in practically the same breath that night, he'll go to uh, some convention, and he'll be talking about uh, ancient civilizations having been on Earth thousands of years ago. He's talking ancient astronauts and, and talking about it as though it's just commonly accepted. So he talked out of both sides of his mouth. 
Now, he was definitely connected to the government's Mars program all the way down the line. And I promise you, Carl Sagan knew everything that I know. I'm certain of it. And I'm sure Neil deGrasse Tyson knows it too. But it's policy. Forget the word conspiracy. It is policy not to talk about UFOs and to deny that they exist. It is simply policy. We're not ready to do that. We're planning on it down the line, blah, blah, blah. In the meantime, you get to learn things other people don't know. We just don't talk about it. Okay, all cool. Uh, Yeah, there there are certainly people in the program. And Neil deGrasse Tyson is the new one. That's why he's doing Cosmos. Right, exactly. Yeah. It's funny. I railed on these people who were, like, saying that, uh, you know, all these politicians are like Satanists and they kill babies and stuff. And then it's like, yeah, but when it comes (laughs) – when it comes to Neil deGrasse Tyson, I definitely believe he's probably part of some kind of conspiracy to, like, at, at the very least, like, dampen dampen enthusiasm for UFOs. That may be even the extent of his role. You know what I mean? He may not – they may, not, they may huh. not be calling him in with, like, information and asking him to speak with Krill, you know, from Zeta Reticuli or something. But they might be like, dude, just – if anybody asks you, just make this stuff out to look like something silly, um, you know, because that, that, that would really help us. You know, so because that's policy. Sure, right. They set him if up. Anything, yeah, it could have been just drummed into him institutionally too. You know what I mean? But sure. We'll see. Yeah, uh, I'm not saying anything bad about Tyson. I'm actually not saying anything bad about Sagan. I understand where they were coming from and who they were and why they had to do what they do. I get it. It's yeah. policy. This is how you become successful. They bought you in. You're a member of the club now, and this is how the club does things. So, okay, Uh, you know, I can buy how many more cars and how many more houses and uh, sign how many more books that are making me an insane amount of money. Uh, And I'm making I have a better personal economy than several third world countries. So, yeah, they're going to play along. They're going to play ball. I get it. It, This is not hard to understand. (laughs) Yeah. But with Tyson, especially, man, did they give that a whole facelift? Because Tyson is just a hell of a lot more approachable. He's a lot more friendly. You know, he doesn't talk down his nose at you. He can talk officially, and he'll use all the, the science ease, and it'll even be accurate. But he does it in a much friendlier fashion, and he does it without giving you the impression that he feels superior to you or that he's insulting you or condescending to you in any way. Yeah. Well, I gave him grief, David McIntyre here, who sent the questions in, but I'll give him credit, too, because these questions are actually really good. So uh, I did... <laughs> I just get annoyed having to read on the <laughs> when I'm doing a show. But I should be used to it by oh, now. Yeah. These are the holiday specials. Uh, the third question here is, uh, do you think that the result of the Robertson panel way back in the 1950s has been too successful? It appears that the fear invoked since then has crossed beyond the borders of America, especially over here in the U.K., which is where David is from. Uh, serious debate has always been quashed to the point where I personally know professional people who will talk in hushed tones about the subject in a dark room, but never go public with their thoughts due to possible repercussions from their universities, businesses, etc. Or is it merely a sort of self-fulfilling prophecy as such where the thought of repercussions invokes the silence? Uh, That's interesting. That's kind of what we were just talking about in a sense. What does motivate Neil deGrasse Tyson, you think? Six of one, half a dozen of the other. I don't think Tyson is actually afraid of any... Well, let me rephrase that. The people who are fully aware of what's going on with UFOs spin the information. Uh, Do they disclose the information? Yes, but they can spin it at the same time. 
So probably they induce a great deal of paranoia with it. I mean, look, if you want to go telling everyone that there is a foreign power, a foreign government, so powerful and so distant, it isn't isn't even from this planet. But they are so powerful that with technology alone, they can abduct millions of people on a regular basis, perform mind control procedures on them, reproduce human beings off of them, which they are taking elsewhere for God knows what purpose. We have no reason to believe necessarily that it's anything malevolent. In fact, it doesn't appear to be. However, they are performing sabotage on our nuclear facilities and our space weapons. (laughs) They're a lot stronger than we are. Now, you can make that really damn scary, and we've all seen movies where it is just like that. Uh, So I'm sure they spin the information in that way, and there might be a certain amount of uh, paranoia on the part of the people who know. Um, But my own reading of it is completely different. Uh, My reading of it is, given how superior these people are, we're still here talking about it in clean, well-lighted places. We're all just fine. Is there sabotage going on at nuclear facilities? Absolutely. Are they behind it? You bet your ass they are. And there's even documented evidence of that in numerous instances. A lot of them in the U.K., now, the U.K. is much better at squashing any conversation about this stuff than we are in America. Uh, I have to give them credit in that sense. I think a lot of it's just the stiff upper lip thing, and they play deadpan straight face really damned well, which is something that Americans don't do on the whole. Uh, but there's a lot of activity that goes on there. There's a lot of activity. There's UFO activity that goes on in, in every major government. Uh, any government that has uh, nuclear weapons, that has any kind of space weapons development programs is going to be aware of UFOs and they are going to be subject to these kind of activities routinely. So yes, that is a little bit paranoia inducing until you look at the broad scheme of things and say, look, they're sabotaging our nuclear weapons. Guess what? They're also sabotaging Russian nuclear weapons. They are sabotaging Chinese nuclear weapons and they are sabotaging Korean nuclear weapons. You may bet your ass on it. They are sabotaging the Indian space program. Uh, I, there was one of the ministers, the defense minister of India, uh, said about 15 years ago, I think it was, right about there, he said exactly everything that I said about UFOs. And he was very, he, he said it publicly. He just stated it. He said, yes, they exist. Uh, they do sabotage us. We were convinced that the United States or Russia was behind it until. Uh, delegations from the U.S. and Russia showed up and said, well, congratulations, now you're part of the club. We thought the same thing about each other back in the day. But now that you're a nuclear power, these guys are going to be a presence in your life. Now you know about them. And he said the same thing that I did about them, that they are fully automated, that the saucers they are flying are piloted by automata, that these things perform acts of sabotage on their, uh, their nuclear and space development. That's exactly what I have been saying. Well, the entire time that I've been writing and the entire time I've been talking about this. So there's at least one public official, a government official, who has openly acknowledged the exact same things that I have said. Does Britain know this? Bet your ass they know it. But like I said, they are much better at deadpanning it than America is. And India, well, they're just pretty forthcoming. They're kind of amazing that way. (laughs) But who's listening to them? Well, that brings up another point in a sense because the – I had this idea, and I don't know, we may have talked about it. I'm sure I talked about it with somebody on the show. Um, that, Although not in the context that we talked about North Korea earlier, because it hadn't happened yet since the last time I did a show. But it's like, talked about how it all dried up and went away. Like, what if 
The idea is that once you become a nuclear power, the aliens come to see you. Like, what if North Korea got a visit from the aliens, and they were like, you know, essentially half the reason why they were freaking out is they were like, holy shit, you know, this alien, and, and maybe the whole idea was like, they're the powers that be in the government were like, listen, Trump, we need you to go over there and tell this guy to chill out and just tell him about the aliens. I find it hard to believe that Trump would know about the aliens, to be honest with you, but at the same time, I don't know, maybe he has an envoy, maybe like his second-in-command's the guy who knows about the aliens, you know what I'm saying? Because to me, it's like, I feel like they just wouldn't tell him because they're afraid he would tell people, you know what I'm saying? It's like, it's that whole need-to-know thing. So they were like, maybe like John Kelly or whatever knows about the aliens, but somebody, somebody from our side had to go over there and be like, listen, there's aliens. And and chill out and stop, you know, stop antagonizing a nuclear war because the al- that then the aliens will come and they'll be wicked pissed that we just blew all this shit up. I'm certain he's been informed. I'm equally certain that before they informed him, they made sure the device was around his nuts just in case that you do not talk about this. You you do remember Dealey Plaza. You do not talk about this. Yeah, I'm sure he knows. Who's this, Trump or Jim uh, uh, Kim? Trump, and I'm sure that uh, I'm sure they know in Korea too. I just Dong-Hoon find it really it. hard to believe, just because like he's so unorthodox that to me it's like I just don't, you know, I just find it hard to believe that he'd be able to like keep keep that under wraps. He seems so. They got a vice around but his Who knows? I guess they got a vice I around guess, his mouth. but. Nobody. Yeah. Nobody makes it to the office of the president if there's not a vice around their nuts. Yeah, but unfortunately, in this case, the vice is Russian. But, you know. Well, <laughs> well, no, no, there's nothing they, ever maybe they're the ones. on that Maybe they're the ones. Yeah. On the Russian thing? I, I, I understand Oh, just that, wait. It's supposed to all you, explode. It's supposed to all explode but within the next – you know, people are waiting day by day. This whole Mueller thing is supposed to wrap up any – you know, the big crescendo is supposed to be coming, like, in the next, uh, you know. It was supposed to be before Thanksgiving, so I don't know. It's very QAnon way now. It's getting like that, where it's like, any day now, things are going to happen. But at the very least, I know Robert Mueller is real. So <laughs> with yeah. the QAnon thing, yeah. it's like there aren't, you know, that their whole thing relies on clandestine and secret people that you're not allowed to know about. It's like, well, at least I know that this dude actually is doing a report, so... Anyway, yeah. um, I'll, I'll look forward to it. I don't think anything is going to come of it, but I do look forward to it. Yeah, well, we'll see. We'll see. Just the, the whole country's in chaos right now. You know, hopefully, hopefully we'll we'll the feel safer. Has been in chaos uh, since, the country's been in chaos since 9-11. There has been a, hmm. a civil war at the highest levels of government, a very secret, quiet little civil war that does go into public view since 9-11. Uh, yeah. That was when the purges started. I mean, there were open political purges by the W administration to get rid of Democrats and seat loyal Republicans in the FBI and the CIA and all the major uh, offices. There was a reverse purge that took place when Obama was in. <laughs> you got to know that they're probably doing it again right now. But they've been really sweeping. They were definitely really sweeping in W's administration. And uh, we have seen evidence of it going on since 9-11, just back and forth. 
But this is at the yeah. highest levels of government. It's quiet. It's behind the scenes. It doesn't get talked about a lot, but you can see it if you're paying attention. Well, we'll see how it all unfolds, man. You know, we'll see. Uh, I think, I feel like we went down a whole different path. I mean, did you get into the Robertson panel and the fact that fear and people, <laughs> I feel like we didn't answer this last question, but I don't know. Um you know, who knows? Who knows what people – I feel like people – he's saying here, in a sense, the result of the Robinson panel way back in the 50s. Well, the what Robinson was panel was picking gonna... up on Hillen. Is it still there? You there? <laughs> yeah, hold on, yeah, hold on, hold on. Sorry. Sure. There we go. I just switched phones. All right. Yeah, Sorry about that. Uh, um, yeah, the Robertson panel guess, was making the same recommendations that, that Helen Coder basically finally put his imprimatur on. Uh, the idea with the Robertson panel was to poo-poo it on the one hand, but to start educating the public using the media, using Hollywood. They were using Disney specifically at the time, and they even named Disney. Um, yeah, they always intended there to be a gradual education of the public. The problem is it became so gradual and it's really barely perceivable. Uh, that's what we've been talking about for like the last hour. Uh, right, but right. it's there. It just doesn't really move. Yeah, exactly. So as far as there was a thought I had there, but then the phone beep <laughs> completely through. Oh, I think – it's hard to it's hard to kind of judge that in a sense because it's like the result of the Robertson panel way back in the fifties. It's like, dude, it's, and I don't mean this as a I don't mean this as a slam on Dave, uh, but it's like, dude, that was like seventy years ago. We're talking about like three generations of people. I don't think like I think the consensus. I mean, I'm going to be forty in January. I'm not. I've come to the realization now I'm not young anymore. So, um, but I think, not to speak for the youngs, but I think like the people like in their 20s and 30s, either A, are part of that large group of people who have always been there that just don't care about UFOs. Um, and I think there's the people that believe and there's the people that don't believe, but I also think there's like a group of people that that there's a large contingent of people who just believe, but they they just believe that they're never going to be told the answer. It's like this thing they've like consciously or subconsciously or however you want to say it, like have shut off the possibility. It's just the way it is. That's their attitude. It's just the way it is. Like who killed JFK? You know, we're never really going to know. That's just how it. They they're resigned to the fact. That, yes, aliens are real. I believe in aliens, but they're never going to tell us. Like, I think that's a very significant portion of the population, which I don't think was there even in the Robertson panel era. Like, where people were like, I think their attitude back then was like, uh, the, the debate was like, are they real or not? You know? Oh, yeah, it was, it was I don't very think anyone was squelched back then. Right. Yeah, that was 65 years ago. It was very heavily squelched. If there has been any significant progress in the revelation program, it, you can see it in the um, consensus opinions because they do polls, you know, Roper polls and things like that. Yeah. Um, yeah. And the majority of the populace does believe that UFOs exist, 
and that there are extraterrestrials. Actually, the majority does. It's like better than 60%. So right. that's a major increase from 55 years ago or 65 years ago. Absolutely. Exactly. In that sense, it has been generally successful. But within that pool, I guess what I'm saying is like is like 20%. They didn't ask the question, I guess, so we wouldn't really know. But it's like 20% of people who are like, yes, I believe in UFOs, but no. I would If they ever do another – obviously they'll do another survey, but whoever does the next survey like this, that's the question they should ask. Like, do you believe in UFOs, and do you think that you'll ever find out if UFOs are real? Because I think there would be an interesting cross-pollination <laughs> of those people. Because, like, I'm in that camp now. Like, I believe in UFOs, but I yeah. don't really believe we're ever going to really find out about it. Like, I think, you know, I think there's a certain – and that's part of why we don't find out, because people have just given up – they've given up on, on trying to – that the government's going to do the right thing, quote-unquote, and tell us what is going on, you know? Well, simultaneously, this is a world problem, and this is one of those areas that's where – Whatever kind of problems might exist between given governments, this unites them. This is one of those things where the president couldn't just come out and say something because they could make him look like an idiot. Um, not That's not too hard. Uh, yes. But it, unless everyone comes out and acknowledges it together, it's not going to be accepted. So if right. Putin and Trump and the French prime minister and the British prime minister – and the Chinese president, if they all came out and said, okay, look, we've all agreed, now's the time we're going to talk about this, then that would happen. But that won't happen because however progressive any one country might be, the rest of the countries involved aren't necessarily, and they are still pretty nervous about how people would take that revelation. So they just have to kind of stay in the same club and say, well, we can only kind of go at this pace. We're stuck. We can only go at the pace of the stupidest person in the class, not the smartest one. That's actually an interesting point, then, because, yeah, because like you're saying now, you know, Kim Jong-un might be the newest member of the club, and now it's like, all right, look, we can't, you know, this guy just found out about the aliens. This sets us back like 10 years, because his people aren't ready for the yeah. aliens. So, yeah. You think you he's going to disclose to people possible. about that? Not unless he could say, oh, and by the way, they're going to make us kings of the world. <laughs> <laughs> Which obviously actually, is not the case. Given the way like North Korea is set up, he might have the easiest way of he, he might just be like, The aliens came, they said I'm Emperor of Earth. <laughs> like it's I'm the only channel you get, so you have to believe it. That's <laughs> that's pretty much how things roll over there, so um Yeah, very much. Yeah, Korea's <laughs> Yes. Korea's a cartoon. They're they're a cartoon police state. Yeah, it's kind of it's it's beyond creepy. The stories about the gulags and shit they have over there are scary, man. Like, oh Jesus, those yeah, are the kind of things I think they'll op- they'll open up someday, and it'll be like atrocities. We'll find out about atrocities going on over there, no doubt. Like, it's just lawless oh, yeah. and just oh, medieval, man. Um, yeah, they try to yeah, paint a nice I, face on that with uh, with Stalin in Russia. I read a Russian propaganda page once. I was busting my gut up. This was uh, probably 10 years ago. Uh, I just stumbled across it while I was web surfing. And it was very plainly a Russian propaganda site. Was, you know, everything Russia did, they're just wonderful people. And all these other horrible people have tried to destroy Russians all these years. And they were actually putting a, a good face on Stalin and how he was protecting the country. That was too much for me. I just busted a gut. 
And, oh, come on. <laughs> no. I mean, no. I, I can point at J. Edgar Hoover and any number of different presidents and say, hey, uh, there's a whole lot of bullshit that went on here. I'm not about to try to sweep that under the rug. Don't try to sweep, you know, millions of murders under the rug. I don't want to hear it. Right, right. Well, yeah. Well, what you said about the disclosure thing is interesting in a sense where you're, you're right, where it's like all the people expecting – like the U.S. government to do it, like don't it has to be some kind of coordinated effort, and in that sense, it's like any kind of coordinated effort, like never seems to work, you know. Here, so I ultimately think at the end of the day, it's always it's 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 up to the the others, you know. It's like any, you know. I mean, we've tried our best to figure this out. We've kicked and stomped our feet at the government to do something about it, um, you know, and nothing's ever changed. And, you know, we're still on the outside looking in on this mystery. And it's like after just an incredible amount of, like, effort from all these people, uh, it makes you think, like, maybe at the end of the day we're not supposed to know really what, you know, what what this is all about. Like they, they don't just know how to do us. it and their hands are tied. We're, we're really stuck at the problem of, until you can tell the stupidest kid in class and not get a panic, you can't tell anybody. And the real problem is right, right. you can't open a can of worms without opening a bigger can. Uh, if you spill part of the beans, you're going to end up having to spill the rest of the beans. So they just don't let any beans get spilled at all. Or they'll right, do something right, like a little right. Tom DeLong business and say, well, we'll uh, look at this. Uh, we did actually investigate some of this, and we found some interesting things. Now, uh, what's going on in the world of popular entertainment again? Because that's how they do it. Yeah. Well, my attitude about the DeLong thing is, like I said, I laughed them off. They did good work getting this into the papers and everything in last December. But, you know, it's been a year, um, and I haven't seen – I know a lot of people are excited, I guess you could say, about this Tic Tac UFO event from like five years ago. But to me, it's just another UFO case. So unless – I need, yeah. like, hard <laughs> data. Like, I need reports. That's exactly if, You right. know, I don't. I don't – like – Saying, oh, we looked at, we researched this is a really great first step, man. But, um, like, when are we going to get the, when are we going to see your research? Like, that's the, I don't really, I don't really care about your personal story about, uh, you know, being the one who, who spearheaded this group. Like, tell us, give us what you have, man. Like, that's, you know, that's the bottom line. Give it, put up or shut up. Like, that's pretty much it. And and look at dude, if they put up, if they're like, okay, here's a half dozen white papers on these sightings, and then I'd be like, all right, I, I'll reserve judgment till I look at what they actually produced. But at least then I can be like, okay, come on, sit at the table, bro, sit at the table. What do you got? And that's the joke. The white papers have been available for a very long time. How do you think I was able to write my books? I read them, uh, even as heavily redacted as they were, and as as many as they tried to keep sequestered. A hell of a lot of material spilled out due to that um, cause lawsuit uh, back in the 1980s. And they were able, through the Freedom of Information Act, to pry a hell of a lot of documents out from government hands. If they had not been yeah. able to do that, I would not have been able to write my books. It is there in black and white. It is official. It is acknowledged. None of this is new. It's only new to people who know nothing about the subject or the history of who haven't looked into it. 
Yeah, but to be fair, this group was doing research like this is a different set of white papers. Like you didn't – those papers that came out that you're talking about aren't, you know. I mean they're making some crazy claims about looking at alien or uh, anomalous like um, metallurgy things, alloys. Um, And the whole thing is like, okay, well, (coughs) you have allegedly have these alien alloys like – like why, you know, to cut to the chase, like to get Dusty Rhodes on this, man, it's like give us the, the alien alloys, bro. Just get like let them – like release them into the wild. Free the alien alloys. If you have okay. an alien alloy, like why are you keeping it in a warehouse? So that, right. that, that's kind of well, like not. my <laughs> – They're not. Well, they're probably this if anything, farming actually... it out to like Elon Musk and shit. There you go. That's exactly what's happening. That's what has always happened. Look, our whole leap in electronics uh, especially. Yeah, our whole leap in electronics and computers especially. What do you think we picked up from Roswell? And where do you think it went? It went to Bell Labs. It went to a few other labs. We were reverse engineering diodes uh, and coming up with modern computers, you know, decades down the line. It's a long process because we have to reverse engineer this shit. Right, right. Uh, Of course they're going to keep it secret because it gives us the technological edge. You can't let everybody know you've got it. Uh, Do the Russians have some? My guess is yes. There have been reported crashes in Russia as well, and I believe them. They are probably true. In any event, I'm sure that the Russians have had the same kind of luck recovering wreckage that we have, and that occasionally there is wreckage. Probably better. It happens. And possibly better, yeah. Um, Considering they, so you know, they have their country on lockdown and they have a shitload more land. Right. <laughs> and some really secret facilities that you do not want to go sniffing near. Novosibirsk. Right. Yeah, you don't want to go near Novosibirsk. No one really knows what's going on in Novosibirsk. You know why? Because every agent we send out there simply disappears. They don't come back. Yeah. They get turned into mer people or something. Yeah, um, they're they're malt. Yeah, yeah, it's crazy, but yeah, yeah. So I mean, we'll see what happens. Like I said before, uh, uh, I, I'm giving, I'm willing to give anybody the benefit of the doubt in all this, but at the end of the day, you got to like produce something. So, uh, as far as uh, as a bystander that I am, <laughs> I'm not really. Pre- <laughs> sure. I I don't have any alien alloys to offer in this conversation, so I. <laughs> so I can only rely yeah, on, the on other thing. alien alloys. That is the last thing that they would ever produce for examination. They would definitely want to keep that under wraps so they could duplicate it and come up with better weaponry than the other guys have. Because that's how the game is played. Well, I would assume so, yeah. But what if they found out that, like, the the Russians and the Chinese already had their own alien alloys? So it was like, oh, wait, you guys have alien alloys too? So let's just tell people about these alien alloys. That's possible, I guess. At the point that they could prove it, they would probably discuss it among each other within limited circles. Uh, Like I said, this this does get to be a global issue, a multinational issue, as opposed to simply any given nation's issue. Uh, I'm sure that a certain amount of that does take place in high-level conferences behind very closed doors, between America, Russia, China, Korea, India, any nuclear power, certainly the, the U.K., 
Uh, the UK is definitely right up there. The UK has had a hell of a lot of incidents over the years. Man, are they good at burying them. They squash them pretty well. Yeah, yeah. Well, they seem to have a better control over their media over there, so I don't know how, but they do. And what's funny, they've probably got about the best media you can find in the Western world for the most part. I frequently go yeah, to the BBC because, to get news. Well, isn't that it, though? The BBC is the is the British – they own that, right? It's the British national mm-hmm. uh, outlet. So there you go. It's like they – Oh, yeah, yeah definitely. They have they, but they have essentially they're their own propaganda. More like, overall. Yeah. Sure, they're propagandized right. like everyone else, but I tend to find them more honest overall than most of the Western news sources. Yeah, as far as news goes, yeah, yeah. Entertainment-wise, I don't know. I have my doubts. No, I, I don't. <laughs> I don't know anything about PBC. Uh, <laughs> now everyone from the UK is either cheering you or saying, "You yank." What do you know? Yeah, yeah. I'm not a big. Uh, yeah, well, it's all about Doctor Who with some folks. I just don't. I'm not a big Doctor Who fan. So, are you? You know, I've got those DVR'd. I, I've, I've followed Doctor Who over the years. I've got those DVR'd. I haven't seen Jodie Whittaker yet. I've got them all there. I just need to get to them right now. I'm too busy binging on Netflix stuff that I haven't seen for years. Oh, okay. Let's talk a little bit about that. we got 15 minutes before they're going to just throw us off the Internet. So, um, I hope folks are digging this. This is essentially – this is classic Ruck's giving here. We've reached the – We've reached the two-hour, 45-minute mark, and, um, you know, we're, we're pretty much now just jamming on. on... <laughs> I have I, I've interviewed people. How the hell do we do it? Before... I've interviewed people before who said that, who were like, I didn't think I could talk for two hours, but I did. Although I'll say this. After the election special, like, two weeks ago, like, I, I was actually in pain. Like, there actually must be, like, muscles <laughs> you use to talk for two hours straight. Because I was, like, afterwards, I was like, eh, oh, Jesus, that, that was rough. So, and I'm sure after oh, yeah. all the laughing and talking tonight, I'm going to be in a lot of pain for that. So let's do five minutes on Stranger Things. Um, so what, you really like this? I don't know what to say. I just like it a lot. I think it's a great show. Um, I wish they had brought it it's back to October, but I guess I can wait. Yeah. It is coming back in 2019. There is some debate whether or not the next season is the last one. I think it's, it's supposed to be coming in the summer, actually. Uh, I was just reading about. I heard they want to do like five seasons, but who knows? Well, they're geared for five seasons. Uh, they, they've said they've got stuff for five seasons, and they're not going to go beyond that. Uh, there's yeah. been some concern that this might be the last season, just because of uh, the Twitter activity of a couple of the child stars who seem to be kind of emotionally upset about about it being over. But Maybe they died in the show, be, though. Well, yeah, that's a possibility, too. I kind of doubt it because they're the show. <laughs> right, right, but show. that could be the thing. Yeah. Well, we'll see. Yeah, I'm hoping, I mean, that it runs, be, I'm hoping it runs the full five seasons. I'd be fine, too, if they were like, uh, if they just, if it, like if it ended this season, you know, the third season, if the guys have, if the people behind the show, the two brothers or whatever, if they have a good enough story that they like, almost turn it into like an anthology thing, you know, where the characters, the sure. actors we like are different characters, like American Horror Story kind of. Sure. Does. I don't yeah. watch that. I only watch uh, one season, but I know how it works. Interrelated seasons. Uh, right. Yeah, right. they could do that. They could do that real easy, I think. Like the, the Haunting of Hill House, there's a way that they could pull a second season out of that real easy. 
just by actually doing the haunting of Hill House for the second season. <laughs> right, right. And they sort of set it up. They haven't done the good? paranormal I've heard investigators good going that. in there yet. It's a good show. Um, yeah. I, I'm a little bit on the fence about it, but it is a good show. I, I was surprised. I was just curious how the hell they were going to do it. So how the hell do you take that novel and make it a, you know, a ten episode series out of it? No, but they did a good job. I heard it's really good, but I don't have time. I haven't. I'm not a big binge watcher. I, I, it rarely happens to me. Um, so I've managed. And I, the it's I'm actually solely a binge watcher. Yeah. Well, as anybody who knows me, <laughs> especially you know people who know me off the air, it's like I have a very addictive personality. So it's like it's good. I purposely avoid things that will. Like yeah, I purposely even avoid pop culture things that will like consume my attention. You know, where people are like, oh, you haven't seen, you know, like Star, like any, you know, I'm not into Star Wars at all or whatever. You know what I mean? I think I've seen the movies once. Yeah, I got you know, you're like, how have you know? Sure. You know, because to me, it's like I I know my personality enough that like if I watch this and really like it, then I'm gonna be like those Marvel movies. It's a perfect example too, where it's like. <laughs> I, I, what, what do you have? It sounded like a like a robotic turkey. That I'm going in and out of the house. I've been in the kitchen for about, uh, right. uh, the last 45 minutes. I'm setting out for smoke. Usually, I spend the all whole right. time out on the porch. It's actually not that cold, but that's all that is. Yeah, you were bragging about that earlier. It's going to be like 20 degrees here tomorrow or uh, on Thursday. Um, that's us next yeah, week. Yeah, so I purposely we're avoid weather next week. I purposely avoid shit like that and video games, like anything that, anything that like if I, I if I know I'm gonna like too much, I'll get too obsessed with. I gotta like moderate. That's how I end up with a fucking podcast for ten years. I mean, look at look at this. Yeah. Sure. So what are you doing there on Thanksgiving? So many we got ten minutes left. Day. Exactly. Exactly. Uh, this so what are you doing on Thanksgiving? I'm What's gonna the look. Plan? Well, first off. I'm going to look for whatever marathons happen to be on. Usually on the nice. holidays, Sci-Fi's got a marathon. Now you'll find marathons on IFC. You'll find some some marathons. James Bond. Yeah, I'll binge Indiana watch. Jones. I'll binge watch TV shows. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's probably what I'm going to do. And I'll more than likely sandwich quite a few comedies in there because for whatever reason, I tend to like comedies on Thanksgiving. Planes, trains, and automobiles. You can't go wrong with that one. Yeah, I'll check it out. If I, I may Thanksgiving, have it's a Thanksgiving movie. It's a Thanksgiving hmm. movie. John Candy, Steve Martin. Yeah. Oh, oh dude, wait, it's a yes, I've seen that. Yeah, yeah, I've seen that. Also good is uh, I want to say it's called Hutch or Dutch with Ed O'Neill and uh, the kid from one of the Christmas oh, yeah, vacation movie. movies. That's yeah, it's a yeah, Thanksgiving a movie. movie. Also very good. It's not too many good Thanksgiving movies, but those are two comedies I like. So that's good. So you're going to look for stuff. What, what, do you have meal plans? Are you going to eat with friends and stuff, or, or what? Actually, no. I haven't had any, any real plans coming up. I'm probably just going to go out to the coffee oh. shop. I may get a turkey dinner there. They make very nice turkey dinners, and I do know some people out there. Uh, but more than likely, I'm going to pretty much spend it alone. Everyone I know either died oh. or moved to another state because of people who died. <laughs> so, oh, I that's know probably going to be my life soon. <clears throat> yeah. <clears throat> yeah. I'm at that age now. Mortality is an issue now. Not so much for me, but for everyone around me. 
We still here? Um, yeah, yeah. Sorry, somebody sent me a message. Um, yeah. Well, that's sad, but we'll all be there with you in spirit. So, you know. And you know, I will be we'll, aware uh, of that. I will actually be aware. Yeah. Of that. Yeah. And I'll send you feedback from people who were like, now they're going to feel bad. So, folks, send feedback about how awesome Bruce was this year on Rucksgiving 2018. And, uh, you know, we'll, I'll pass it along to him. I just marvel every um, year with absolutely zero game plan. Zip. We don't think about anything in advance. We don't toss anything in advance. We, we just get on the line and we talk. And the next thing you know, three hours are done and we're still not done. Yeah, exactly. No, I was thinking that. I'm like up against the wall here, and I know uh, if I just cut loose, I don't have like we don't have the capabilities, but we could probably go like another rug in two hours talking here. But uh, as I, I'm, I'm starting to feel the voice, the voice pain now. Um, but yeah, well that sounds cool. You'll have to let me know uh, what you end up watching. Um, I'm not sure what I'm going to do. I know I was thinking about this. Did we, I don't know if we've talked about this on the show. Uh, even though it's Rucksgiving, it's the only place that I would talk about it. But, like, in my old age, even though I'm just going to be 40, but, like, in the last, like, five years, I've taken a real affinity or liking. I've taken a real liking to the uh, to the Macy's Parade. I think I, I, like, <laughs> I've embraced the oldness, and it's, like, a thing that I love now. When I was younger, I had no, I had no, you know, usually I would, like, wake up at noon and be like, thank you, thank but now it's like, got to get up at 9 and watch the parade, you know, and just, like, sit there with, like, a cup of coffee and some nice pastries or whatever and just watch the parade, crank it up like it's loud, <laughs> like it's loud as possible, like, like blast into the holiday season with the foolishness when of the parade. When we were kids, so, the yeah. Macy's Day Parade was a big thing when we were kids. I was always looking for the underdog blimp. I, I just love the underdog blimp. I, you know, now that you I'm sure it'll be there. I haven't yeah. watched a Macy's Day Parade in years, but I'll have to see if Underdog's still in it. It's definitely still in it. You should watch it, dude. It's awesome. I'm I'm a huge I'm a huge Macy's Parade fan, um, and I've no like I said I've no and usually I'm watching it and I'm like it's generally it's entertaining, but it's also like awful. Like I'm not a big fan of like musicals, and it's just essentially <laughs> like. Like the best number from every musical on Broadway, plus floats of weird cartoon characters. It's just a weird, super weird, like variety show in the morning with giant floats. It's just so. There's a very psychedelic element to it that, like, it's just perfect on Thanksgiving morning, and you know, and Santa comes down at the end. Like I said, I then just crank the volumes. Like in every room in the house, you can hear some ridiculous cast of Broadway or a high school band playing, and it's just like. That's the parade, man. It's fun you know, kit. rock and roll. It's yeah, exactly. It's fun yeah, holiday it's like kit. so Americana. Yeah, it's just cool. Yeah. I, and my buddy Bullwinkle Zach Farr flying in the in. Yeah, we have that one we have may that not one, be in there. In oh, I'm sure Underdog is. Oh. I'm sure Underdog is. Then they have like a couple that are like oh. super old and like just crappy. They're like the first, you know, the first ones or the oldest ones that still like survive, and they're like just a like a top or like a little doll that's not even not not even a character. McNubble like Winkle. here comes a McNubble doll. Winkle. Yeah. <laughs> and like a the, the like doll debuted in nineteen fifty four. It was it was uh, you know, very exciting year. And doll is the only balloon that still holds up from the nineteen fifties. And it's it's just a doll. And it's like and but then you watch it and you're like, 
holy shit, that balloon was in the 50s. That's fucking crazy, man. So, yeah, yeah big, big fan of the uh, Macy's Parade. Make new ones. How can you have the They Macy's do make new ones. No, no, they make new ones. They debut new ones. That's part of the thing. They debut. I'm willing to bet. I'd have to do research, but I'm willing to bet that, like, in the last generation or so, there's probably, you know, a dozen, like, flash-in-the-pan fad balloons that, that like, not sure. – that they could stage a second parade of, like, Garbage Pail Kid or Cabbage Patch Kid <laughs> or, you know, or, like, I'm sure Elmo's still in it or whatever, you know, whatever the cool thing was, like – 15 years ago that's like, yeah, we don't want to really put Ninja Turtle balloon in the thing because, like, no one – it's not that – you know, they came back with the movies, but you know what I mean. It's that kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. That would be great. I'd like to <laughs> – if I had the time, someone should look into that. The the the, the, the uh, What is that called the, the, from the Christmas special? The Island of Misfit Toys Macy's Parade Edition. All right, man. We got five minutes. I got to wrap it up. So thank you so much. This has been an absolute pleasure. Um, you know, I've missed this so much. The just the give and take with a really good guest and a really good friend. You know, I think that's part of. I've had a little trouble kind of putting this together these holiday episodes, but in the sense like uh, eventually settled on like just let's just bring back a bunch of friends. I don't want to do one-on-one shows except for like the uh, iconic episodes. So we're gonna have some sort of like office party esque. Christmas party type shows, uh, you know, leading up to hopefully the holiday special with Stan Friedman. And it all began tonight with you, my, my friend. And, you know, I can't thank you enough. You're my brother here, man. And this has been, uh, you know, you and I together I love, I love are a part this. of people's holidays. Yeah. Yeah, I love doing this. Anyone who wonders, is this just something that, oh, well, okay. No, no, I love doing this. It's a lot of fun. Yeah, dude. I mean, like I told Stan Friedman, like, a few years ago, it's like, did you ever think, like, you'd have a holiday special like this holiday this holiday special built around you and the crazy part now is like this is the eighth year you know come 2020 we'll be doing the 10th annual rucks giving and it's just you know it's a thing it became it's become a thing and that's you know just such an awesome fun part of what we do so you know and i can't thank you enough you know we should a wild ride and yeah a lot of fun we should have this yeah. office party thing, you should get some other guests and we just like all, you know, do the open line thing and just shoot the shit and have fun. Get silly, get drunk. Well, I'll let you know when we, get, when we do the other upcoming Tuesday nights for the next like few weeks, we'll probably be doing similar type office parties. So you can check it out and call in if you want. Um, yeah, yeah, I gotcha. So, yeah, I have no idea. You know, I, I still have to lock in half these <laughs> people but some well you know what you know what we'll do i think that would be actually what you're saying i like is um we should do because i complain about these people with their questions even though i love them and they're wonderful people and they have great questions i just the brand is me complaining i have to yeah i have to complain (laughs) that's the brand so so maybe next year or in two years for the 10th annual maybe for the 10th annual uh, we'll just open up phone lines and have people call in with their questions so I don't have to read them. And uh, maybe we'll try that like in a year or two. But we're at like a minute now left, man. So thank you very much. I love you, Bruce. Have an awesome Thanksgiving. And, hey, man, the holiday season has begun. I hope you have a fantastic Christmas, uh, an awesome New Year's, all that good stuff, brother. And, uh, you know, it's been an absolute pleasure to do it one more time. Right back at you. 
Yeah.